Hello, and welcome to the Cage Fight Podcast, where I believe this is episode 27, and this is where most rock stars die. Yeah. So, like, uh. Yeah, I know, I'm gonna die this year. <laughs> we're all gonna die rock stars in it. <laughs> what? Uh, what? today we're gonna be talking to you about two movies called, uh, Kiss of Death and Astro Boy. Fucking killer yeah. films. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, we're gonna give the Kiss of Death. To one of these movies, we're going to knock them out of the bracket. Hell yeah. And I'm going to give the kiss of life to my co-hosts. Oh, yeah. And then give us COVID probably by accident. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I actually have it right And uh, okay, cool. oral herpes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's got a serious breakout going on right now. I'm sorry. And I just, uh, I'm just fucking around. I just uh, watched the movie Outbreak the other day. Have you, have you seen that movie? Uh, no, I haven't actually. Um, That's so, the one with the monkey, right? Yeah. So there's there's a scene where the guy who like steals the monkey and tries to to resell it is like super sick uh, on a plane, and he looks really bad. And he gets off the plane and has uh, shares a giant open mouth kiss, a uh, very <laughs> very sloppy open mouth kiss with his girlfriend. Um, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it because um, it's uh, it was disgusting. And uh, oh. hmm. yeah. There used to be a pandemic, but we're we don't have it anymore. Oh yeah, it disappeared. Well, I, I saw a lot of people at the start of the pandemic talking about watching Outbreak and a bunch of other shit like that. Yeah, <laughs> so. um, for some reason it was a huge bummer. Oh uh, yeah, um, why? Or like the stand or something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, the new Stan series is actually coming out uh, in like a few weeks, which <laughs> seems seems like a great time to to air a new The Stand series. I yeah. think so too. It sounds like a good idea. So, should we just launch right into these movies? Yeah, fuck okay. yeah, let's make it happen. All right, looks Wait, like who's on this podcast? Oh yeah. Um. So I'm Jess. I'm Taylor. I'm Mike. Uh, and this is Cage Fight Podcast. And and, up and on the boards we've got Zach. Yeah. (laughs) The ghost of Zach is on the boards, uh, just laying hammer to the soundboard all the time. No, yeah. no, uh, no. Okay, you're very insistent that you're not Zach. Then who are you? This is your boy Taylor. No, the uh, and I'm a Vietnamese fascist uh, Twitter guy who just uh, lies about Antifa all the time. Uh, yeah, that's uh, you. You've been Taylor No this whole time, which uh, I'm I'm really proud of. Uh, and I am uh, Ben Shapiro. Oh, okay. But your okay, voice dude. got a lot deeper, and you got taller. <laughs> yeah. You say uh, you're buffer, too, let's be honest. Yeah, and I uh, I have my sister's uh, milky jugs now. Mm. Fuck yeah, dude. Wait, so. you can't be... I don't think you're Ben Shapiro. I think you've gotten a woman wet before. <laughs> you don't know that. I, mean, you don't, I know don't know that. I don't I mean, need to know that. I was going to say, Mike, maybe... Do, I mean, do you have macaroni in a pot? <laughs> um, I actually did yesterday, yeah. Oh, fuck um, yeah, dude. Um, so let's just go into uh, Kiss of Death here. So Kiss of Death came out in 1995. This movie is rated R, directed by Barbette Schroeder. I believe it's Barbet Schroeder. Barbet Schroeder. Well, uh, fuck you, Frenchie. Yeah. This is America. He's a Swiss. Freedom fries. He's Swiss. Oh, yeah. Well, some of the Swiss speak French, so oh, I'm still oui, going to oui, call I'm him Frenchie. I'm a Swiss man. <laughs> in, in Australia, I heard they put the, the Schroeder on the Barbet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so. But yes, I, I, I'm sorry. You said this movie is rated R? Yes. Did you have to do research for that, or did, did you just know by watching the entire fucking movie? Well, I mean... <laughs> Why do you do research just to make sure? Yeah, there's two. There's two F words. That's why this movie's rated R. The (laughs) only reason. (laughs) The only reason. And um, so this was written by uh, Richard Price and uh, Vincent's dad. Mm -hmm. uh, No son. Yes. 
And uh, I just want to know what's your dick price. <laughs> I don't know. Fuck. What's your what's your dick price? Uh, like the the price of uh, doing a dick rating on OnlyFans. What's your dick price? <laughs> I, I do five dollars to like grade dick pics for everyone. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, five bucks sounds good. Yeah, I'd, I'd hop on. Fiverr I do on Fiverr. And... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll rate your dick pic five bucks. Thank God I can't <laughs> smell this picture. You know. <laughs> uh, so this didn't have a specific production company. It was distributed by 20th Century Fox, but this was produced by Susan Hoffman and Barbet Schroeder. Or Schrader, or however the fuck, or Schrader. Yeah, I was gonna say Barbe Schrader. Uh, yeah. He was the villain of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> and he yeah. was really good at guitar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it had a runtime of 101 minutes, a budget of 40 million dollars, which I would not have guessed looking at it. No. I think <laughs> most of that went to the cast. Probably, yeah, I was gonna but... say like half that went to fucking Nick Cage, probably knowing <laughs> knowing how yeah, these budgets of uh, these well, movies and go. Samuel Jackson, Sammy who Jackson. is in this movie. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. to be. Oh, never mind. This is after Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah he could, he could yeah, have asked for something like that. Post Pulp Fiction, Sammy, he gets whatever the fuck he wants. To be fair, this was pre Mace Windu, though. That's yeah. true. So that's true. So he's he's like and, uh, halfway to the the clout that he has now. And mm. pre uh, Snakes on a Plane, his yes, uh, yeah, and pre which actually uh, might be a clout role. That I, I, uh, I mean, yeah, kind of. And um, also pre every other movie besides Pulp Fiction, where uh, characters. <laughs> In Quentin Tarantino movies just call him the N-word a million times. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, uh, pre the greatest movie he's ever made, uh, Formula 51. And this was definitely pre the best movie one. he was ever in, uh, in Old Boy, the, the Old Boy remake. <laughs> yeah. The uh, best version of Old Boy. I never saw the Old Boy remake. Oh, uh, it's trash. Don't watch it. It's <laughs> awful. Uh, but $40 million budget, box office gross of $14.9 million. Womp, womp, womp. Womp, that puts us at 18 movies out of 46 thus far. So that's that's a bad percentage, Nikki. Hmm. Little Nikki, little Nikki. Uh, at least this this time, little it's, box office Nikki. I will say, I think this movie is better than Little Nikki. Little Nikki is way better than this movie. Uh, okay. You know, we're gonna get into it, so don't spoil don't spoil your um, opinions just yet. But yeah, I would I would say the box office uh, uh, gross of this movie is not Nicolas Cage's fault. Um, but maybe uh, David Caruso's fault. I don't yes. know. Yes. Uh, yeah. True. Or Michael Rapport. So, <laughs> yeah, on, that's true. On Rotten Tomatoes, this has a 68% rating from critics. Damn. Only one number away from being the best rating ever. Mm-hmm. 67. It could have been so nice. Yes. So, two, two thirds. Yes. Uh, it has an audience rating of 37%. So, people oh. like this a hell of a lot less than critics. Do. That's honestly shocking. Yeah. This is like one of those critical darlings because, you know, it's so, uh, it's got a lot of depth to it. It's an art house. Film. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I kind of have an idea of why. Um, which uh, I might as well just say right up here up front. This movie is very plot driven and not very character driven. No. Like. Yeah. Um, the characters. Well, I mean, I, uh, I think we should save it. But yeah, you're right. I mm-hmm. do think it is very plot driven. So, yeah. Yeah. Surprising uh, based on the, the cast list. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Like legendary character actors and like, hmm, not a lot of characterization here. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Mike, do you have any trivia? Um, yeah, so, uh, this film is a remake, um, it's it's very loosely based on the, uh, 1947, uh, noir classic of the same name, um, that starred, uh, a bunch of old guys, um, (laughs) I, I, I believe, um, it, it did star David Crusoe as a zygote, right? Yeah, uh, yep, and, uh, Robinson Crusoe, uh, as a cameo, 
Um, oh, yeah, dude. I okay, shit. See, and actually, that's one thing I was going to mention is I think that's part of the reason why this is more plot driven than character driven because I do kind of feel like a lot of old movies were in that same vein, but I don't know. I, I could be wrong here. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, we've mentioned David Caruso a bunch. He uh, most people know him as the guy from uh, CSI Miami. Yeah, Horatio, whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah, uh, uh, guy who takes off his sunglasses right before it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right before that sting from um, the was it the uh, Jim Morrison, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, <laughs> from the Doors. Yes. Yeah. So this is the start of him trying to to launch himself as a leading man. He was on NYPD Blue uh, before this, uh, so another cop show. Um, then he left because he wanted to uh, be in movies. Um, and then uh, this happened. Uh, and then yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of movies after this. Like a, a very small <laughs> handful. Uh, he two movies uh, came out starring David Caruso yes. in the leading role. And here's saying David Caruso's career was so successful. The second that CSI uh, Miami got canceled, he immediately retired from acting. Exactly. Because he's just so, like, you know what? I've done literally everything an actor can do. There's no need for me to try anymore. Yeah, he he was on a cop show, thought it was boring, wanted to do movies, uh, it failed, and then he went back to a cop show, and then once that fizzled out, uh, he disappeared. Yeah, he's like, you know what, fuck this, I, I already won. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's in two movies uh, in 1995, and both of them are uh, uh, nominated for Razzies. Oh, uh, this was nominated for, for a Razzie? So he was in two movies in between NYPD Blue and, and CSI Miami. Uh, well, he's he, there's a... a Small handful of movies after this, but like nothing. Oh, but in 1995, you said. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, okay, fair enough. Nothing, uh, nothing too, too big. He's in Proof of Life, Body Count, uh, Session Nine. Which wait, wait, uh, he, he was in the Ice Tea Band, Body Count. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, have you seen Session Nine? Yeah, I have. I uh, like that movie. It's, actually. it's not bad. Um, but uh, yeah, what I like about it is not David Caruso. David Caruso. Yeah. Um, it's uh, but yeah, it's a fun movie. So uh, our boy Nick Cage uh, got really beefed up for this role. That he he is looking pretty beefy because this was only two years after Red Rock West where he's looking a little skinny. Yeah, and he's rocking a goatee in this. Yeah. Yeah, and his hairline looks fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he apparently uh, held himself to an extensive workout regimen. Um, and, and I believe he learned uh, to have a cocaine addiction for this movie. Is that correct? Yeah, he was uh, <laughs> twisted out on the on the big C. Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, which he uh, was later jacked again in Con Air, which I can't wait to. Yeah, yeah. it's like every movie he relearns his cocaine addiction. <laughs> I've been wait, I've been waiting for the day that we watch Con Air on this bracket. But yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, because that that uh, I mean, going into the bracket was kind of my front runner. Uh, so. I'm excited to see how wrong I was. <laughs> um, this is also Nicolas Cage's second film uh, in 1995. He was in Leaving Las Vegas this year. Ah, uh, the one he wins Best Actor for. Yeah. But, I mean, this movie's better. I mean, come on. I don't know. I haven't seen Leaving Las Vegas yet. But I, I have seen this one. And this one's really fucking good. Yeah. I've, I've never even actually left Las Vegas in real life. So. That's true. I was actually born in Las Vegas, and I ethereally am still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because fucking, what happens in Vegas stays there, and yeah, including birth, including my my uh, corporeal form. <laughs> if, you, if you ever wondered why you can hear like uh, slots and people chain smoking in the background, it's because we are in Vegas. Yes, yep. and it's not it's not the intro <laughs> to that one uh, Pink Floyd song. It's literally because we're in Vegas constantly. Yeah. So going into a plot summary here, first of all, I am going to say my plot summary is going to be kind of long because there are a lot of events that happen in this. Oh, movie. Oh, this like movie is very chock full of events. <laughs> so this is a long one. Buckle ever. up. So uh, the opening credits uh, 
play with a very long pan through a car junkyard with a super cheesy soundtrack song that is just like great. It's got like reverb 80s guitar and a pulsing synth. Yeah, I, it, especially yeah. what the movie turned into. I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they play it again at the end, too. So, oh, it's a, but um, OK, so David Caruso is taking care of his daughter while his wife. Um, and that's the thing about David Caruso, like he look he looks like an like a stereotype of an Irish person. Mm-hmm. Like he is the most fucking Hibernian looking motherfucker I've ever seen in my entire life in this movie. What? <laughs> I'm like, did did they get this guy like from Donegal from like right off the boat from the potato famine? Like I'm like, what the fuck is this guy? Jesus Christ. He's uh, very pasty, very ginger. Yeah. Um I was expecting his first line to be top of the morning into you. And I'm like, <laughs> oh no, that didn't happen. But um so he's taking care of his daughter while his wife Helen Hunt goes to an AA meeting. Uh, one of his old partners, um, his or, cousin, yeah, cousin. Yeah, sorry, but also, his, uh, yeah, ex business partner yeah, and ex romantic partner, too. Well, <laughs> well, as we all do know, there's a lot of romantic uh, family involvement in this movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, his cousin, uh, played by Michael Rappaport, and you know up. what? That fucking like you never expect Michael Rappaport. Like, the second I'm like, oh he, shit, Michael Rappaport's in this shit. He always just shows up. And honestly, like, I, I cried laughing because I just did not expect it. And he's like, yo, man, what? And I'm like, oh God, Michael Rappaport's doing his awful, awful black scent. I hate it. So <laughs> you look much. like the Mr. Gordon's fisherman in here. Mm. He's got he's got the worst accent of all time. I fucking hate Michael Rappaport's accent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I hate it too, in that um, I wish I had it. Uh, oh my god to be fair it would work better on you than it would michael rapaport (laughs) but uh michael rapaport shows up at his door asking him to help him out with a small criminal job saying that he's going to be killed by a little junior if he doesn't find another driver for this job and that's what you meant Um, by small criminal Uh, (laughs) yeah little little junior junior. two diminutives Uh, Caruso seems to have retired from the business, but he kind of like reluctantly agrees because he doesn't want to see Rappaport killed. So, uh, and to be fair, this is the, with the second Nick Cage movie now where uh, the main protagonist steals cars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some <laughs> you got to sometimes, mm-hmm. especially a character like uh, David Caruso, who was born to do this. Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, there's not a beautiful enough car like Eleanor in this movie. That's true. Just like a bunch of fucking semis and shit. Mm-hmm. Which, well, maybe we'll find someone in the reviews who's like, I really loved that, like, 1991, like, I had the same Firebird. car. Uh, I bought <laughs> this movie just for that. but Because uh, that did happen in the previous. That did it? happen, and that person was a sycophant. Yeah. So. But, uh, so Cage, we see for the first time playing Little Junior, the the boss guy. He's sporting some very short hair and a goatee. He's very buff, as we were saying. I, uh, I think this is the least hot Nick Cage was in the 90s. He is not hot in this movie. He's got a, yeah, nice bod, but, um, uh, although I will yeah, say. I'm not, I'm not digging the hair thing. He, he looks like a depressed middle-aged dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I will say I do like the all-white look, uh, and I don't mean the cast. I mean. Uh, he's usually wearing all white uh, in the in the movie. And you know, it's like his big ass fucking like uh, fucking white dad boomer shoes he's wearing the entire oh, yeah. movie. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? All he was missing was like a cell phone strapped to his waist. <laughs> yeah. Fanny pack or something. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It just fucked me up because like Nick Cage put so much effort and then he just dresses like a schlubby middle-aged like white yeah. dad. 
Hey, well, I think that reason that's a schlubby middle-aged white dad look is because it was a little more in style in the 90s, and the dads don't keep up with the times. I don't they even find know if that one was in look. style in the 90s. I think that shit looked awful even back then. No, in the 90s, I feel like big baggy suits were a big thing. Yeah, like but... zoot suits and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or suits. Well, there, there was a zoot suit riot was actually in the 90s. Exactly. Yeah, they were still kind of riding off the high of like Miami Vice, mm. uh, big colorful suits. No, I mean, you're talking about the original Miami Vice, which which was the first uh, uh, cocaine trade back in the 30s. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's actually, um, and that's why they did so much cocaine on this movie. Uh, it's because they were trying to to emulate Miami Vice uh, in, in wardrobe and in coke. Yes. Uh, yeah, go watch that fucking Michael Jordan documentary if you want to see some 90s ass suits. I mean, oh, the last I'm dance? Saying. Great yeah. documentary. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Cage is the boss and he's crazy and a violent hard ass some crazy shit he's uh, also got asthma yeah uh so that i just wanted to point out like uh one of my favorite lines uh that rapaport says to um caruso is you know what your problem is you're a liberal you know i know i, <laughs> I noted that line because i'm like that came out of nowhere yeah <laughs> and strange. He, he says that because he i don't even recall the context but he's like basically showing Concern for another human being. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, to and, be fair, that is well. That's not really a liberal trait. Never mind. Let's yeah, not that's not really it. a liberal trait. It's more of a leftist one. But, I agree. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, and, but of, I'll, I'll be saying that to people. You know what your problem is? You're a liberal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, <laughs> you need say, to move further left. You got to be a, like a racist pseudo accent, like Michael Rapaport. Does. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like a minstrel show accent, like Michael Rapport does. <laughs> Fuck. But uh, this job is driving some car transport semis full of stolen cars down to the docks. Uh, they get to the docks, and then the police immediately pull up, including Detective Samuel L. Jackson. Holy and shit. a shootout pretty much immediately ensues. Uh, Caruso doesn't ever fire a gun, but both he and Samuel L. Jackson get shot. Um, and I think uh, Rapaport and Cage both just get away. Yes, they do. Yes. Happening. At the hospital, Caruso and Jackson end up being like treated right next to each other. And uh, the DA tries to get Caruso to rat out the rest of the crew. But Caruso won't do that, and uh, so he's going to be doing some time. Uh, the family he works for says they will take care of his wife, Helen Hunt, and uh, Rappaport is assigned to do that, and he's given her like $150 a week, which we later find out he's supposed to be giving her $400. Uh, and he decides to get her a job at his shady car shop that I can't tell if it's a sh- chop shop or not. Like, yeah, I think it's uh, a junkyard slash chop shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it. And and she's like uh, running the books and uh, getting harassed and all that good stuff. So after a day of working at the shop, uh, Rappaport takes Hunt home. But on the way, he stops at a strip club to drop off some money to uh, Nicolas Cage's dad, who owns the strip club. And Baby uh, Cakes. He does some work for. Yep. Uh, he's he's uh, he's Big Junior, I think is what yes. they call him. But the, what, the strip club is called Baby Cakes. Oh, yes. yeah. Baby Cakes is the and, strip club. And was this a scene where Nick Cage was benching a stripper? That, yes. That, <laughs> that is, is what the I next thing. to talk about. Cage is bench pressing a stripper. And that is, uh, <laughs> she's she's yelling homophobic slurs at him while he is bench pressing a stripper, which is uh, maybe one of my favorite Cage moments uh, so far. <laughs> it's an amazing moment. I'm like, did that? Wait. 
what? <laughs> it's like yeah. I, I can do this. He's like you, you like you, fa-. and it's like oh, all not, right. Not to mention, okay. uh, she seems like a fairly lightweight stripper. Not very impressive that he's benching this much, mm-hmm. uh, but he seems really exerted. Yes. Uh, not particularly top or bottom. Well, head. he does he does forty uh, reps, which That's is more true. than he would typically yeah. do on a bench press. So maybe he's doing uh, low weight, high reps. Yeah, yeah, I guess that yeah. that's that's true. Um and I guess maybe her uh like platform heels weigh 40 pounds uh, yeah. as well. So But yes, he is bench pressing a stripper. Uh yep, and as I said, his father owns the place and uh Rappaport then kind of goes over to Helen Hunt who's waiting at the bar. She is at AA and a recovering alcoholic, but he keeps giving her alcohol. He tried to do it at the shop and now he's giving her a drink there now and he seems to be like hitting on her. Yeah, because um, see, yeah, I, th- I think seems might be a little bit too light of a word. He's literally yeah. trying to like butter her up so he <laughs> yeah. can rape her, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and w- so one of the things, um, if if you come from a big family, you know that uh, if your cousin marries someone, they're fair game because um, <laughs> yes. they're not your cousin. I'll remember keep this, that in mind. Remember, this is set in New York City, but, but this movie has like the uh, sexual politics of like hillbilly country. Like, seriously. <laughs> yeah, like, it's. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he gets her super uh, wasted and uh, takes her back for a yeah, good time. Yeah, takes her back, and uh, the next scene, she wakes up at his place. She seemingly either doesn't remember being yeah, there last night or... Uh, yeah. And I, I think... Is, and I was trying to find out whether he they they like he had raped her or not, but I could not find anything in the synopsis. I assume there was something shady going on. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure really he probably say, raped her because uh, he's, yeah. like, showering and... Yes. When she and she's got her zipper undone. And Just uh, judging by his character, you know and in his uh, bed <laughs> right yeah yeah and so yeah she wakes up like super confused doesn't really seem to know where she is and then yeah. she's like oh yeah robbie <laughs> and uh, she super cool dude to fuck oh yeah and uh so she wanders out like still confused i thought maybe she was like you know still kind of drunk or something or hung yeah. over or like drugged or whatever the hell happened to her gets into rapper boy's car pulls out and just immediately gets hit by a semi and yeah dies. she immediately gets owned and dies i <laughs> I, like I was the, so shocked. Uh, oh yeah, that's. I was like, wait, 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 what? Yeah, what I was fuck? not expecting that to happen. <laughs> it cut it, from this a, is like twenty minutes into the fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, it's <laughs> Helen Hunt, you know, like she's she's a, a, a I don't know if she's a list at this time, but she was a solid actress at yeah. the time. And so when it cut from like her getting hit by the truck, it cuts immediately to a casket. <laughs> I I laughed because I yeah, like, yeah I was just like, like, how the fuck. It's so much to process. No, it really, so I, I, yeah, I cried laughing at that scene. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> As I said, so much shit happens in this movie. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> Caruso is informed and uh, like basically at the funeral, he finds out Michael Rappaport's part and he's like, oh, she was at your place in your car at eight in the morning, huh? And then basically... He gets pissed at Rappaport. He kind of knows what goes on there. And uh, then he immediately goes when he's back in prison to rat out his fellow drivers in the incident, except for Rappaport, because he wants to make it look like Rappaport is the one who ratted them out. So Cage and the family there pretty much immediately suspect Rappaport when the other drivers get uh, get booked. And uh, Cage then murders Rappaport by Beating him to death to jump around by House of Pain. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they that, walk. that also made me cry. There's so many scenes that made me cry laughing within like 10 minutes of each that other. That scene was one of them. It was fantastic. The weirdest oh, yes. part of it is they didn't just like play jump around like as He's music for the movie. He literally radio. brings in a boom box, turns it on, and you know, then starts. To, to be fair, it could have been. 
This is my fight song. <laughs> <laughs> if that song had been out then, I think they would have used it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's that scene fight. was so good because they like uh storm him in like the office of his junkyard and they like they're wearing like raincoats. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, like, they're put, like garbage they're, bags over all yeah, the Yeah, they're looking like fucking Dexter Morgan over here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and he says, You guys look like the fucking Gordon's fishermen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they fucking beat him to death. And, and it's yeah. not just because, you know, Michael Rapport's character is a bad person, but just because they beat up a person played by Michael Rapport, I was like, yeah! <laughs> fuck yeah! Fuck yeah. I was like, okay, I'm fine with this. Like, and it was a horrible death, but I'm like, that's fine. Who cares? Yeah, I mean... Who cares about Michael Rapport? And also mm -hmm. that character, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cage, like, repeatedly punches him in the face. It's like... We don't really see it, but you see the blood splattering on the wall, and you see him wrap up the body in a garbage bag. Wrap a so. port up that body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, that was so I also want to mention that for some reason Ving Rhames is at the shop looking around in an Oldsmobile. Omar. Oh uh, yeah, Omar. Yeah, he's playing Omar. I don't know why he's in this scene though. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's scoping out the joint for reasons we don't understand dun, dun. i mean we'll find out more of his motives but i don't know why they brought him around but yeah they basically uh they tried to get anyone they could from pulp fiction uh travolta was busy and uh bruce willis was preparing himself to later get cucked by ashton kutcher <laughs> <laughs> david caruso then gets to visit his daughter and uh samuel jackson takes him there but uh, beats the shit out of him yeah. first for some reason. And, and, and here's the thing. Like, he blames him for him getting shot because Samuel L. Jackson uh, becomes, like, partially disabled afterwards, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, he loses a good amount of hearing and his eyesight's fucked up and he can't stop crying. Yeah, apparently uh, he gets migraines at bright light now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, thing is, like, that wasn't David Cruz. Like, the guy who David shot Caruso him. David Cruz is the one person who didn't fire a gun in that yeah, whole situation. Yeah, and he's literally, like, stopped like before he got shot. Like, it wasn't his fault. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why Samuel Jackson is being such a fucking idiot about it. Yeah. An asshole about it. He's a cop, though, so I mean they're they're not known for being the the yeah. smartest of people, very <laughs> reactionary <the> figures. <laughs> yeah. uh, so then, cut to three years later, where Caruso is three weeks away from his sentence being up. I think three weeks away from, from retirement, right? Oh, oh yeah, three weeks away from retirement. <laughs> retiring um, as uh, retiring from being a prisoner. The cops approach him saying they want him to be an inside informant to get Cage in on some charges. And he agrees if it means he can go back to his old life, just care for his daughter and be like out of this life. He, without cops, without robbers, he doesn't want none of it. He's, He's like, dude, listen, all I want to do is get the fuck out of here and and marry my sister-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> this guy is fucking addicted to snitching. Yeah. It's disgusting. <laughs> Guy's also addicted to having like sexual relations with his family members. It yeah. is strange because like it immediately at the first scene there, like you see his sister in law visiting him and being like, "Well, you got me, even though you don't have her." It's like, okay, like wife's dead, move on to her sister. Yeah, why not? Yeah, fuck, why not? Who cares? Uh, <laughs> she literally says, um, "Now that my sister is gone, why don't you pound my little coochie?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, I don't know if you know, but um, women were not legally allowed to be unmarried until the 2000s. Yeah. So, <laughs> if, yeah. there, if there's a widow, you got to take care of that. Yeah, he inherited uh, the sister as a wife. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, 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 the sexual politics of this movie are so strange. They are. But, um... Of course a European so, would make this movie. <laughs> yeah, then, Little uh, Junior's not his name, it's a title. Uh, so... Oh, one thing I should have mentioned that, or Barbet Schroeder, it looked like he actually worked on a bunch of old 50s noir films, like, way back in the day. 
He's an old dude at this point. But anyways. Yeah. And he, well, this is, uh, I think, one of two movies uh, from the 50s or like Oh, no. 40s, I think he worked 50s. with Godard. Uh, well, whatever. Uh, is that the uh, website? Director? The... Uh, no, never mind. Okay. And to be fair, <laughs> this is an adaptation of a, 40, a story from the 40s. So. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm thinking of GoDaddy. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, then we cut to cage at baby cakes he's fucking hyped at this strip club jumping around screaming about how his he's dad down, died he's gonna jump around yeah, yeah. He's jump he's, around he's got jump around jump. stuck in his head from the murder he committed you know, I, I three years he, ago I, I think what he was i think he was listening to like the first wave of punk and pogoing i think uh, that's what was going oh yeah on. Uh, but he, so he's screaming about how his dad died and some random guy is like, dude, you are jacked. Like, calm down. And he's like, my dad died. Punches him in the face. <laughs> yeah. and, it's, and it's a nice little cage freak out. And I was going to say, there was actually a cut scene, uh, where he goes, hi fucking yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's very reminiscent of Deadfall yep. of this movie. I yeah, like, for sure. You say Nick Cage in a strip club, beating the fuck out of a guy for literally just existing next to him. That's <laughs> literally a scene from Deadfall. And keep, keep in mind too. And uh, there's a two. Deadpool only came out movie. two years before this movie. Yeah. So it's, uh, that was like training for this movie. What if, what if we did uh, Deadfall but toned it down and removed the Bond villain? Yeah. yeah. And, and also gave him slightly more believable, like, costuming. Yeah. Uh, and you know, David Caruso and Michael Bean look kind of similar. So it's like, That's, yeah, he's, he's basically the ginger Michael Bean. Yeah. Is this going to be a remake of Deadfall? It could be. But yeah, uh, the sexual politics of Deadfall is also really cursed. Yeah. So. David Caruso was also in uh, the Irish Terminator. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the <so>. Irish Terminator. <laughs> oh my god! That's, in, in the year 2020, humanity has been ravaged by a potato As famine. I, <laughs> I, I'll be back. <laughs> uh, um, if you need, uh, if you need potatoes, I got some numbers you can call. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the cops wire up Caruso, and then he goes out on a job stealing cars. Uh, afterwards, he and his fellow job mates go back to Baby Cakes, the strip club that Cage is now the owner of because his father is dead. And uh, Cage starts talking to him. They start like bonding over the fact that Caruso's wife had died and that Cage's dad just died. And then he's like, they're, you- they're bonding over the fact that um, Caruso's wife just died and he really wanted to bang Caruso's <laughs> wife. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, at one point, I thought this was hilarious for some reason. Caruso says to Cage, whatever it doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And Cage is like, what? And he said, what What did you say? And he's like, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And he's like, huh. I like that. Like, he's never fucking heard that phrase before. Like, well, you, you, you never heard the Kelly Clarkson song. This is uh, the first time that phrase was ever spoken. Uh, and a young Kanye West in the in the south side of Chicago uh, was, was, you know, gearing up to write a song about it. Yeah, Kanye then immediately got in the studio. He's like, oh, wait, I have to wait for Daft Punk to make a song first. Yeah. He calls so, up Daft Punk, make a song. <laughs> uh, so during all this, uh, Cage also forces a guy who got too handsy with a stripper mm-hmm. to like dance on stage. That, th- um, oh, that, yeah, was that was probably one of the best Cage fight moments of all time. I fucking loved that. That was, that was great. hilarious. That, that was very funny. Uh, and it was also so out of place for the tone of this movie. <laughs> Yeah, didn't he, he was like, uh, he made it seem like he was going to like shoot the guy's dick off or something. Uh, but I thought then, he was going to burn his hand with a cigarette. Oh, yeah. He, he, he makes David Caruso light a cigarette uh, and then hand it to him. Uh, like they're going to burn him with it. Uh, but then they're like, uh, 
Hey, what if what if uh, you you saw what it was like out there on the freaking yeah. sexy stage? Oh, yeah. and, and and that's the thing. Like this movie features like people literally getting punched to death, like violent, drugged up rapes. And a lot of shit, but it's like, oh, I'm sorry, that was just too far. We need to add some humor to this movie. Like, what the, that came out of nowhere for well, the hey, tone of this movie. See, I thought it worked all right there because it showed that, like, I don't know, Cage is kind of unhinged and does weird things. But also, I like that as a punishment for someone who gets too handsy with this. Oh, no, don't be wrong. It's hilarious, but it just doesn't fit at all for the tone of this movie. Like, it is literally like... It felt like uh, a Grand Theft Auto cutscene, like making yeah. a chubby guy dance naked in a strip club. It, it, it felt like something out of like a mystery, like science, uh, like yeah, yeah, like um, a mystery the, science like review. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like it just, but it, I once again cried laughing at the scene because it, it was hilarious. Yeah, but uh, Cage stands up for sex workers. <laughs> you know, I will he say said though, like, I do mean, you think they don't work hard up there? So of like, all the atrocities, uh, all the atrocities that he has committed, he does have some good politics. <laughs> yeah, go. I was gonna say. I mean, he is definitely not a swerf. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, so Caruso asks something of Cage that makes Cage get suspicious, and Caruso basically quickly goes to the bathroom, rips off his wire, and throws it out the bathroom Excuse window. Excuse me, I gotta go to the, the little mm. boys' room real yeah. quick. This is okay. a pretty tense scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's it fucking is. ditching the wire. And uh, and uh, so Cage uh, pretty much immediately busts in with his goons and they rip open his shirt and like check him for a wire. Like, listen, dude, we just want to see your oiled up abs. Like, <laughs> so, what the fuck hey, are you nice doing? pecs. <laughs> <laughs> then he kind of begins to trust him. Uh, so Cage takes Caruso to meet Ving Rames where they sell him some guns in an alley. Bing Rames, uh, whose character is scared of red trucks. Yeah, doesn't like the color red. He doesn't fuck with the color red. Even if another red car is painted, doesn't It's still red it. underneath. And mm-hmm. that's, he hates red so much, He's he refused to listen to the, uh, the band Chevelle. Yeah, yeah uh, and he, one time his house was burning down, um, and he was like, can you send one of the, the other color fire trucks? And they didn't have any, so he just let it fucking burn. Yeah. Uh, we might have an idea why he might not be taking that uh, that stolen truck later but the heck uh so caruso then reports everything back uh to jackson that went down after he gets home and uh they kind of discuss the animosity that's there between them because you know like jackson got like somewhat disabled from that gunfight that caruso was involved in and uh caruso's you know like sister-in-law slash now girlfriend um asks him like what he's been doing concerned and he tells her that he's working with the cops so we see the cops wire up Caruso again. He goes out on some more jobs, then goes back to the strip club like always. Cage then takes Caruso to meet Ving Rames again. And he's like, hey, how about you go walk up on the passenger's side, knock on the window and get him to talk. And so Caruso does that. And Ving Rames says like two words and then Cage sh- shoots him in the fucking head like from behind. And bam, Caruso is splattered in blood. And he's like, what the fuck did you just do? You killed him. And then Cage is like, you shouldn't have fucked with me. And Um, doesn't he also like plant cocaine in his like shirt pocket? Yeah, Yeah. he puts coke in his shirt pocket. Afterwards, like while Cage is driving him back to the strip club to get his car, uh, he opens up to Caruso about how he doesn't like the taste of metal in his mouth and thus avoids silverware. He's got to have plastic forks for everything. Then uh, I think, uh, I don't know if he mentions it, but it's, it said in the IMDb trivia that he is allergic to metal. Uh, I don't think that's true because I don't think anyone is allergic to metal. But. Uh, <laughs> uh, there are yeah. people who are allergic to certain metals. That is that is hmm. a fact. Okay. Um, well, because it, it points out that um, uh, he says he's allergic to metal, um, but 
doesn't react uh, when a gun is put in his mouth um, uh, by Jimmy. So yes, that's true. But uh, then he says, like, you know, I've never told anyone about the metal thing before. Yeah, it was I'm a very deep secret that uh, makes me very vulnerable, even though it's something that a lot of people. I, I Do people See, like sucking on metal? Like, is yeah. that a thing you have to hide from people? Like, what the I fuck? I don't know. I never told anybody this before, but I fucking hate sucking on metal. <laughs> See, and I, I get that it does seem weird, but I think it's a little bit of revealing of Cage's character in that, like, you know, like he's so caught up in putting on this tough image that he doesn't want to admit any vulnerabilities or weaknesses that he may have so yeah fair enough um i mean you can tell he has a very like uh loving relationship with his strippers mm-hmm. he's willing to stick up for them from creepy patrons it's true uh i think cage gets the most characterization yeah, out of cage, anyone cage in this movie. absolutely gets the most characterization of anyone in this movie by a fucking country mile yeah he's a he's a bad dude you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah he's a bad wink, dude wink. but he's more complex than you'd think mm-hmm. yeah he's he's got levels to him so uh cage also tells caruso like hey just fuck the stealing car jobs tomorrow. Like, you just come straight to the bar and talk to me, all right? Like, we're cool now. Then uh, as Caruso is walking away to go back to his car, uh, Ving Reem's guys just show up and kidnap him at gunpoint, pull off his wire, and take him to a meeting in a warehouse with all the cops that he's been working with because it turns out Ving Reem's was an undercover federal agent, and the local police didn't even know that. Um so uh, the so they're congratulating uh, uh, him for killing him. Yeah. <laughs> the feds are like arguing over who's going to take the case and whatnot. And uh, they all listen to the wire. And then that was planted or that Caruso was wearing. And then they all roll up on cage and arrest him. Uh, so the feds attempt to ensure Caruso that there won't be a trial and that Caruso is not going to have to take the stand that cage is going to take a plea. Um and um, meanwhile, Caruso's daughter goes missing and is found with Cage's nickname painted on her forehead, which is just B-A-D. Bad. I forgot what it stood uh, for. Balls Attitude Direction. Uh, yeah, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. I mean, it was, it was color me bad, you know, mm-hmm. yep. a certain color. <laughs> Hate um, me bad even. Cage's lawyer goes through pretrial negotiations, essentially demanding that the feds identify like what they were doing and like release a bunch of papers related to things, which evidently may have involved like shipping weapons onto the streets, uh, which I thought that was cool. We see that the feds are involved in a lot of crime that crops up and stuff. I mean, uh, not wrong. <laughs> yeah, not wrong. No. Um, yeah, that's where I had to stop watching this because it's disrespectful to our uh, boys in blue and our yeah. boys in uh, whatever color they wear when they're uh, even more important than the boys in blue. I mean, that's the thing. On, on Cage Fight, we love our cops. We love our law enforcement. Mm-hmm. We love our military. They're important. Absolutely. Yeah, we love our boys in blue. Uh, we stand mega mind. Please give me that boot. Mm. But uh, I mean, before I do the cops, you can call mega brain if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was gonna make some joke about you not having a mega brain after you marry a cop because of all the beating, but um, well, you actually would because well, it'd be swelling. Yeah, right? yeah <laughs> so, uh, swelling greatly. Uh, but um, so like I just got so smart. That's thing. I have a smart mouth after I marry a cop. If you know what I mean. Uh, so the cops decide to drop the charges, or the. The feds decide to drop the charges to save their own asses so they don't have to release the papers about the illegal activity they were doing. And the the state attorney who was involved says, I'm going to keep pressing those charges. And the feds are like, what's it going to take to make you drop this? And then he's like, give me a federal judgeship. Yes, Which, and, that, and that character, the the DA played by Stan, Stanley Tucci, is a character who's appeared oh, a lot yes. in the earlier parts of the movie as well. 
Yeah, yeah he's, he had he's up great early. in this movie. He yeah, is Stanley good in this movie. movie. I didn't recognize him as Stanley Tucci because I'm not used he's, to seeing yeah. him with hair. Yeah, he was yes. balding, uh, but had more hair than usual. Yes. Uh, but in in classic Tooch fashion, uh, was a was a real delight. We see Cage walking out of jail, getting released because all the charges have been dropped, and he's immediately like, "All right, where the fuck is David Caruso? Let's find him," because um, he's suspecting Caruso. So then Jackson basically gets Caruso uh, some time to talk with the state DA who is dropping the charges in exchange for the judgeship. But Caruso was unable to convince this corrupt prick uh, to to fucking, you know, like keep pursuing the charges because this guy wants the judgeship. But like he does get the guy to admit it on tape right there that, well, not we don't know that it's on tape, but I just spoiled my own plot summary. You'll hear about it in two seconds. Um, and so then Cage goes to the strip club, Baby Cakes, and says, like, meet me there, Mr. Jackson. Uh, so Caruso confronts Cage with a gun. And uh, but Cage like knocks it away and they start fist fighting. And then uh, Jackson shows up late because of traffic, which was a weird little aside. They yeah, didn't that, really that didn't need, need that. to happen. Yeah, that, that scene it did literally not made either. no difference. <laughs> it made no difference. And also, don't forget as well, uh, Nick Cage is having an asthma attack in the middle of the fight. Oh, yeah, he does. But he manages to get his inhaler in the middle of the fight. But when uh, Jackson shows up, Cage is like, who the fuck are you? And just punches him in the face. And he's like, all right, arrest him for assaulting an officer. And um Evidently, like Caruso was wired both during the fight that he had with uh, Cage, where Cage basically again admitted to shooting Ving Rames, like uh, dead ass right there. But he and- got punched uh, right in the recording device, and they didn't capture any of it. Uh, oh, so oh shit, that's right. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, <laughs> I do remember that. That was the alternate. Yeah. <laughs> And he was wired during the conversation with the shady DA, where the DA admitted he was being bribed with a judgeship. So he uses that to blackmail the DA into pressing the charges. And then he goes back home to his family, all triumphant and everything's good. Yes. And honestly, and you know, he just goes- because like Cage went away, I do kind of feel like he's not safe still. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's other people. Well, I'm saying he goes <laughs> but- home to be a family man. Yeah, it's true. Dave. There we go. (laughs) Uh, He's he's a very guile. He's very guile from Street Fighter in this movie. Goes home to be that. He's he's very um, um, uh, Scorpion from Tekken. Just kidding. I know. (laughs) Scorpion from Tekken. Scorpion from Tekken. (coughs) He's very Sub Zero from uh, what's the one? King of Fighters. Killer Instinct. Yes, Killer Instinct. Yes. He's very Raiden from Super Smash Bros. (laughs) Yes. So, uh, thoughts, everyone? I fucking loved this movie. It was, I, I loved it. I, I, there were a lot of things in here that didn't make any sense. I, I wish that they frankly would have done a little bit more characterization, but there were so many memorable moments in this movie that I was on the edge of my seat the vast majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, I mean, not a great movie, but a lot of fun. It had a lot yes. of, uh, Definite uh, classic cage fight I, moments. I, I will say that this movie is not great, but it's just a step or two from great in nearly every scene, except for the ones where Nick Cage does some goofy ass shit, and then it's great. Yeah, if and, we <laughs> if yeah. we would have had uh, you know freaking Kiefer Sutherland instead of David Caruso, mm. you know, give us the real Jack Bowers of this world to yeah. to star in this one. <laughs>
Yeah, but, like, um, but yeah, no, I love this movie. I yeah, I think I think people should watch, especially if you like Cage Fight the podcast, you will like this fucking movie. Yeah, I'm surprised I'd never heard of this because it it checks a lot of the boxes for uh, Cage Fight. Yeah, I, like to watch. I really do yeah. feel like this is the amalgam. This is the most Cage. This is like the most combination of every single thing we love about Cage Fight in a movie. Yeah, yeah. like it's amazing. Uh, I have a couple of things to say about it. I did overall think this was a good movie, and I enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, it does kind of feel made for TV. It looks yes, like it a soap opera. Yeah, um, it, it look. That's when you said it was forty million. It looks very low budget. It does not look like it's worth forty million dollars. Yeah, well, David uh, Which Caruso is wasn't comfortable with being uh, in front of uh, movie cameras yet, so they kept the TV cameras from uh, NYPD Blue. <laughs> that makes sense, I mean, especially considering like uh, and, you know Michael Bay is not a great director, but he's he's good at being able to like use the money that he makes to like make cutting edge looking stuff. And The Rock came out a year later, and The Rock looks a million times fucking better than this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this movie starts out kind of meh, but it starts to get pretty good and tense about halfway through. And at that point, I was like hooked and leaning. I, in. I frankly think it becomes good the second that Michael Rapport gets murdered. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, honestly, uh, that's actually probably where it starts to pick up and get yes, good. I, think. I agree. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> like, um, like yeah, but, uh, when when that dead weight was gone, I'm like, oh, thank fucking god, we don't have to see Michael Rapport anymore. It'd be funny if uh, after they killed off his character, he shows up as a different character, <laughs> yeah. just like oh, a god. mustache. Yeah, just to annoy me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's some really good Cage freakouts in this, and I do think Cage is the best part of this movie. Oh, bar none, for yes. um, sure. It's definitely not David Caruso. Yeah, it's not. He's a very nothing character. Uh, yeah, but for sure. One thing I will say is, it, I think too much does happen in this movie. They could have cut a lot of plot events and made some of the scenes longer to yes, try yeah. and like. It's a little messy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the um, one of the results of it having so much stuff in it is that the relationship between Samuel Jackson and Caruso isn't really explored. Like we're told that there's animosity there, but you don't ever really see it. Yeah. We don't get that heat moment where Mm -hmm. they like sit down in a diner and uh, explain their points of view, Mm -hmm. uh, which is why heat is a better movie. (laughs) And they're just like, but heat is also three hours long. And I frankly (laughs) think it's too long, but even though it's supposed uh, to be like sidekicks, they're barely, together in the movie at all mm-hmm. yeah that's true it yeah, just, jackson it, it gets really forced. very little screen time in this too yeah I feel he like. um and, and i know well i mean actually like i said pulp fiction came out the year prior he should have had a more like concrete character in this movie mm-hmm. like samuel jackson was a big name player by this point why i don't know why they gave him such a like subdued character yeah, yeah. he was definitely like, this isn't george lucas like you don't need to like mm-hmm. you, don't need to, you know you don't need to make him fucking mace windu so should have but but yeah that's um that's pretty much my thoughts on the movie. Anybody else got anything to add before we go to Dave for a plot summary? Um, I'd say this movie uh, is the definition of ultimate swag. So ultimate that's my swag. stance. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, good movie. Um, something surprisingly never heard of and Cage is the best part of it. Uh, I'd say check it out if you're a Cage fan. Uh, but Dave, you got a plot summary? What? Do, do you have a plot summary? The movie. <laughs> Dave is no. just uh, so overjoyed that he can contribute without having to speak. Yeah. Uh, and I don't blame him. Uh, I actually uh, am putting together my own mic soundboard so I don't have to yeah, so do we, anything. Well, it's Nicolas Cage. Why not? They, yeah, see, you're already out there, buddy. Um, but... Um, so with that, I guess we can just move on to the Amazon reviews. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, who's got them? 
Just kidding, guys. Come on, I got this. Well, it's uh, Nicolas Cage. Why not? Why not? Well, it's Nicolas Cage. Why not? Well, it's my Nicolas famous Cage. catchphrase. <laughs> if I had a doll of me, uh, you, you could pull the string and it would say that. <laughs> available at Toys R Us. Well, never mind. Well, that's the tagline for this podcast now, so I felt like it had to go on there. Well, it's Nicolas Cage. Well, it's Nicolas Cage. Why not? I think I might put that right after the theme song now. It's like, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. So why not? Well, it's Nicolas Cage. Why not? Why not? Uh, so yeah, I got a, my first review is from, uh, Robert Woods, uh, who wrote a five-star review titled, um, stars, great actors. Um, and, uh, Robert Woods writes, um, when the bad guy gets his, Mm -hmm. that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Was that a five out of five? Uh, that's a five out of five, baby. When the bad guy gets his. When he gets his, like. Possibly just a charge for assaulting a police officer, which I think means he will just do like maybe like three years max or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but he got know. his. Uh, I have a review from Cheryl Blodgett, um, who uh, wrote a review called Hubby's. Uh, Christmas gift for my hubby. Didn't think it was my kind of movie, but to my surprise, I enjoyed it as well. Mm. Wow. Um Endorsement from all the wives out there. Um, oh, yeah. This is not just for the fucking beer chugging dudes. Honestly, that wasn't the worst review that, that could have been. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cheryl's a, she's a stand-up gal. And I assume uh, that was a two out of five, right? Uh, that was a five out of five, baby. Oh, good. Excellent. Okay. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, I got a review from uh, user Retail Unit, um, <laughs> who sounds like a robot from Futurama. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Hello, human. I'm Retail Unit. Would you like to buy this movie? <laughs> uh, and Retail Unit writes, if you like Cage in full nutter mode, then this will float your boat. He is pumped up big in this movie, and his performance is also on steroids. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bit where his dad has died, and he deals with it by jumping up and down like a huge scary baby, is a notable high point. Caruso is his usual bad yet compelling self. He pulls out his usual box of tricks, including my own personal favorite, I'm guilty, sorry, confused, all at the same time, oh, emotion, stagger, slash, glance, move. I don't know what the fuck they're saying. <laughs> I don't I, either. I don't know what the that fuck they're saying, like but I feel, I feel like it's right, though. <laughs> like, I feel like there's something about it where I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Sure, and, whatever. Uh, and it ends with, uh, bad acting never felt so good. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. I, 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 I don't think there's really that many bad performances, though. They're just kind of yeah, over the top. They're yeah, not uh, very... Um, like David Crusoe's not great, but he's also, like, not really an interesting character. So it's not yeah. really, like, you know... His character's flat. Uh, not entirely his fault, but doesn't really work out in his I character. would frankly say the only person who's notably bad in this movie is Michael Rapport, but he's just literally bad in everything. He's just being himself. Yeah, yeah. he's literally uh, just being himself. Like, that's literally who Michael Rapport is. By the way, I was gonna uh, have Michael Rapport guest on this episode via Cameo, but it is... $200 to get a cameo from Michael Rappaport. Jesus Are you Christ. fucking kidding me? You could probably yeah. pay less for a cameo from the band cameo. Yeah, I would We're fucking honestly. love for us We'd to get be, a cameo from the band cameo. What if the band cameo, cameo is very underappreciated? Cameo, as well. oh, what if rip, the band yeah. cameo came in here and built a brick house? <laughs> oh, fuck uh, yeah. So that's, that's a good joke. Um, I have a review here from um, my namesake in every way, Deplorable Mike. Oh, Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Uh, And Deplorable Mike writes, lots of action at this point in his career. Nicolas Cage has gone from 98-pound geek uh, in Peggy Sue Got Married 
to a pumped up bulky son of a mob boss. Cage shows off his weightlifting routine in several scenes. Uh, and that's a three out of five. <laughs> uh, several scenes? Uh, I think there's just one scene and he's benching a lady who maybe weighed like 110 pounds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think Deplorable Mike watched that scene a few times. Yeah. <laughs> I have a review from Lewis Wainwright uh, who says, uh, didn't work uh, another that doesn't work. Uh, one out of five stars. I don't know. They're probably referring to the movie not playing, but uh, we don't really know because yeah. they don't specify. Uh, something oh. didn't work. Um, and Maybe I, he's talking about himself. He's currently unemployed. And <laughs> hey, listen, I don't have a I don't have a job, and I watch this movie, uh, which is very relatable to some host of this podcast. Um, I and the last review that I have uh, is from user JMK three four three eight, and they wrote a review titled okay and they uh wrote uh okay okay <laughs> all right okay sure <laughs> three out of five stars you don't have to write a review when you buy something on amazon that is the most okay you know, review i've seen in a while true. you don't have to but i have to say if they're gonna write a review that's just okay three out of five stars is the rating you know yeah no, that's totally appropriate it's uh, a very appropriate review um and <laughs> why I are you showing us all good reviews you usually show us amazing reviews uh well you know i just wanted to be representative of the people um, yeah, I mean, you are deplorable, Mike. You want to be representative of the American people. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm a working class hero. Mm. I'm a jukebox hero. Oh, that was your last review you said? Yeah. Okay. Let's, well, let's, then, fucking, uh, let's not even talk about the other movie. Yeah. <laughs> let's, yeah. I'm just kidding. Well, no, uh, we're going to take a short break and then we'll be back to you to talk about Astro Boy. Hell yeah. By the way, do you think we have the most left-wing Nick Cage podcast? I don't know. I, I, <laughs> this is no offense to the other Nick Cage podcast, but when you do a Nick Cage podcast, I don't know how you could stand to listen to another one. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that's true. And I do feel like there – do you think there's like a tanky Nick Cage podcast? <laughs> uh, I mean maybe. Uh, yeah. I, like we'll, a podcast that instead of talking about pedophiles, they just talk about how great Joseph Stalin was. <laughs> <laughs> What is the leftist cage podcast? Uh, hashtag uh, left cage. Yeah, left cage. Yeah, <laughs> left behind. <laughs> yeah. That is uh, his most like lefty movie. Uh, left yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, because Nick Cage has been in a lot of right wing shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it's not to say that Left Behind is uh, leftist like being... in any way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like that's like choosing like the the hottest of the original Nazis. Like you lose no matter what. <laughs> that's like saying Ben Shapiro's sister is the hottest Shapiro. It's uh, it's not it's not really much of a competition. Not, not much of a competition. Uh, but uh, Mrs. Shapiro, if you're listening, um, tweet me. Well, let's say you think my sister's hot and. Well, if you were to take our temperatures, <laughs> you would find that we are all somewhere around ninety eight point six degrees. And so that means that none of us is much hotter than the other, and it is all relative on a daily basis. So let's just suppose that my sister has huge tits. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you, 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 you said, I can't do the impression, but uh, you, you said you're going to make my sister uh, uh, wetter than the Indian Ocean. Um, well, actually, um, you should take her to the hospital uh, if that is the yeah. case. Actually, she does not have a medical condition and yes. thus cannot. And <laughs> frankly, that doesn't really mean that much because the Indian Ocean is not the largest ocean by uh, surface and land area. You would want to make her as wet as 
as the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, she uh, her pussy is actually the Dead Sea. <laughs> it's very salty. <laughs> Shapiro is almost Barack Obama. <laughs> uh, to be fair, everyone always says that my impressions just sound like Barack Obama. Like my Bernie Sanders sounds like Barack Obama. My Barack Obama doesn't sound like Barack Obama. My Pete Buttigieg sounds more like Barack Obama than Barack Obama sounds. <laughs> That's a really funny problem to have. <laughs> All right, so uh, let me be clear. Uh, I'm going to go on the Daily Wire, and I'm going to, frankly, own those dumb lips. <laughs> all uh, all of uh, Taylor's other impressions sound like Barack Obama, but his Barack Obama impression sounds like Chris Rock. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. It's like, listen, um, so let me clear. Uh, there are two types of black people. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, 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 I mean, that one, one of the funniest Chapo bits is like Chris, uh, I think it's Chris or Brendan, I don't remember, but he's like, all right, uh, Pete, it's nice to meet you. Uh, Brock, it's also very nice to meet you because they sound exactly the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and then when, remember when Pete Buttigieg was in Texas and he just got a Texas accent for no reason? <laughs> I don't remember that actually. No, he was like he was like he was like stumping for Joe Biden in fucking Texas with uh, with uh, Beta O'Rourke and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he, I think uh, he means Skada. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> and there's like there's like a portion of it where he just like starts having a Texas accent for no reason. <laughs> oh, damn, it's the weirdest shit you've ever seen, and not. Like Texas, like you know, Beta Beta O'Rourke has Texas accent, but it's literally like, all right, so y'all, I'm here, and it's like, dude, you're from Indiana, shut the fuck up. Why are you talking about you got a snake in your boot? Yes. And not not even from like Southern Indiana, dude's from like two miles from the Michigan border. There's like no reason you should sound like that. Yeah, I was a big uh, big Pete stan. I uh, learned the high hope stance, and I was doing it uh, oh, back yeah, to dude. back with the crank that soldier boy. Um, oh yeah. What's the Pete dance just a floss dance, but to panic at the disco. Um, well, actually, the Pete dance was uh, designed so that um, the uh, disabled could do. It. What's the? It, I can't say disabled, can I? Uh, um, uh, I think did, it's the least ableist dance. Yes, yes, yes. Which, which is kind of odd because it makes you look like a retard. So it's actually a very ableist. Dance. Uh, and so <laughs> the, the least ableist dance is also the name uh, of that Michael Jordan documentary that we were talking about. The least <laughs> ableist dance. <laughs> Dude, oh. um, did you uh, oh, did God. you see that fucking interview where they ask Pete what his favorite song is and he says the national anthem? Like, <laughs> he's I mean, like a fucking serious? robot, like designed to be like a fucking inoffensive politician. It's just uh, like sad. my favorite song is uh, "Happy Birthday." Well, that's like even even his marriage is fake because like. Uh, so let me be clear. Uh, I have a lovely husband that I uh, have. I care about him very much because he's, he's a great I'm man. He frankly strikes me as asexual. But yeah. I mean, well, yeah. did you remember when he was like, he tried to do that. He tried to like kiss Chastity. He went like, yeah, it was the worst kiss you've ever seen. And I'm like, you guys are supposed to be married. What the fuck? Uh, I am asexual, but I date men and I eat pussy. I mean, <laughs> frankly, Joe Biden and his granddaughter have more chemistry than Pete and Chasson. I mean, Jesus. Uh, by the Wait, way, what about Al Gore and Tipper Gore? Does anyone remember that kiss? I, I was that the oh. DNC? Yeah. Oh yeah, Back that was pretty awkward. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was like, yeah, like that. It was like it was like really intense. But yeah. Pete is just like. Mm. That's true. Um, it, it was like a, it was like that one kiss from SpongeBob where you like six hours lips. You go. Mm. Speaking of Joe Biden, um, we should probably introduce our guest. Um, uh, shirtless uh, Hunter Biden is here. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Just, just, is he sleeping with the crack pipe next to us? <laughs> he's uh, he's somebody, smoking with uh, somebody. Shake him awake. He's Rob got, Ford was that his name? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Rest Rob, in, well, rest Rob in and peace. Doug Ford. Uh, yeah. I think it was Doug Ford. 
Wait, uh, no, Rob uh, Ford is the Toronto guy. Who yes, and, and Doug Ford is the current, like, essentially governor of Ontario. Canadian okay. politics are, by the way, not any less stupid than American politics. That's oh, shoot. True. Wait, I does mean, Doug Ford smoke crack too? I think they both smoke crack. I think you kind of got to smoke crack to be Frankly, a politician. Frankly, they're not. Well, I mean, okay, look at, that, look at that face. Look at that smile. He probably smokes crack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looks me, like Trump. he looks like Chris Farley. He looks like Chris Farley and Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. With a little bit of Rush Limbaugh thrown in. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. Yes. 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 It's it's like they did the fusion dance from Dragon Ball Z to create. Wait, Dave, are we recording? About 15 minutes in. Oh, okay. There we go. Okay. Uh, And before we jump into it, I just want to say it's ironic that he's called Rush Limbaugh because uh, it looks like he's never really moved quickly for anything. Uh, (laughs) I I mean, he's he's moved quickly to slut shame women. (laughs) Okay, that is true. Okay, you're right. Anyways, welcome back, everybody. We're here now to talk to you about Astro Boy. Astro Boy. And to be fair, like I said, are we going to talk about the Houston Astros immediately afterwards? Sure. Okay, cool. Hi, but... They're, they're, they're the foosball team, I believe. Yeah, cheaters. Uh, Astro Boy came out in 2009, and uh, one of the worst years uh, in our uh, history. I was unfortunately a sophomore in high school, sophomore and junior. The be- the worst years of my life, and uh, so far. Yeah, it's, it's, well, fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> I did not have fun in the tenth grade. That's why I love American football. Yes, <laughs> uh, but uh, Astro Boy is rated PG, and uh, oh, I thought this one was rated R. Yeah, yeah, very clearly. Like honestly, I thought I thought uh, Kiss of Death was PG, and I thought this was Radar. Mm-hmm. It'd make more sense. It would make a lot more sense. I mean, kids do get fucking vaporized. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot and of kids get owned in this movie. There's a lot of uh, mixed feelings from uh, parents about that. Uh, so it's directed by David Bowers, who I believe is the um, bully from the Stephen King book It. I literally kept thinking the same thing. <laughs> Holy shit! It. Uh, that, David, that was all I could think about David, actually reading that. David Bowers went out to his mailbox and there was a red balloon and a knife uh, <laughs> and the script for this movie. <laughs> yes. I believe so. he was uh, related to Jack from 24. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, all the Bowers are here. Yeah. <laughs> I believe uh, they're this, also related to the, the Bowery. The uh, uh, Hugo... Ba- uh, Hugh, Hugo Bossery. Hugh, Hugh Bowery. Was, yeah. uh, this was written by Timothy Hyde Harris. Actually related to David Hyde Pierce. <laughs> they have the oh, really? <laughs> what? Yeah, he was uh, he was the third Crane brother. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, <laughs> also written by David Bowers in, in um, production companies Imagi. I, it's the word image with an I instead of an E at the end. It's Imagi, like the gift of the Magi, but for film. Hey, <laughs> it's Imagi. Imagi Animation Studios. Imagi all the people. Which is yeah. evidently a Chinese company or something. Yeah. It said that at the end of the movie. Yeah, because so. you imagine imagine an Italian imagine the John Lennon song. <laughs> Imagi all the people. <laughs> life in a piece. <laughs> living a, no, that's the thing. It's a living a life in a pizza. They, they, they missed it. it you life in a pizza. pizza. Say that there's no heaven. Imagine the moon hits your eye. <laughs> like and I'm, I'm not the fun. only one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this has a runtime of 93 minutes. Had a budget of $65 million. Holy That's one crap. dollar for every year since the extinction of the dinosaurs. I don't know why I just brought that up. Man, fuck. Um, 
we're gonna cut that. By the way, uh, it's uh, we're trying to make Jess look like less of a fucking nerd. <laughs> and and you, you, I don't think you should joke around about that because honestly, Jess, too soon, too soon, yeah, too soon. Are you talking about the death of the dinosaur? <laughs> yes, RBG. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Okay, uh, this, uh, this that was a very notorious joke. <laughs> <laughs> this set of box office gross of forty-two million dollars, which means it's in the red by about twenty-three million. I feel like that's the last up. I feel like this is the first episode in a long time that both movies were in the red. Yeah. This is a movie I expected to be in the black. <laughs> oh yeah, I did too. I honestly expected this to be like way bigger box office. But I actually didn't. I well, frankly, I expected it to have a smaller budget than it did. But well, that, also, yeah. there there's a lot of big names in this, but also Astro Boy is not a super well known IP in America, so that kind of makes sense. Yeah, like if you were to tell people like, "Oh, Astro Boy," and they're like, I, "I've heard of it, I guess," <laughs> but most Americans don't know what it is. Well, see, I'd never heard of this that this movie existed. Like, I knew about I Astro either. Boy because I like I'm a I'm a nerd. Like we were just talking yeah, about it. Yeah, you're, like, you're a big uh, nerd in a weave. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought I knew Astro Boy, but I was thinking of my life as a teenage robot. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so that's eighteen. Uh, I was thinking of whatever happened to Robot Jones. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I confuse those two all the time. Yeah, uh, because whenever someone says my life is a teenage robot, I think of. Whatever happened to Robot Jones? Well, honestly, I, I <laughs> and think And then of, someone says, whatever happened to Robot Jones? I'm like, oh, then what was my life as a teenage uh, robot? Well, I think of my life as a teenage robot because I, that was the only one I wanted to have sex. No, I want to actually have sex with both of those robots. Never mind. Oh, I okay. definitely did. Yeah. Uh, and, but if you do want to find out what happened to Robot Jones, just call us number 281-330-8004. What is that? Uh, it's Mike Mike Jones. Uh, <laughs> who, who is Mike Jones? Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought maybe Dave would appreciate that, but you know, the what? only Mike Jones I remember is uh, Still Tippin because uh, no, that beat is then, awesome. Oh. Back then, Still Tippin is, I think, Bun B. No, isn't no. it? That's Mike Jones. I think oh, you're f- Mike Jones. Duh. That's definitely Mike Jones. Oh yeah, Still, Still Tippin on four foot. It's literally written out of plaque over there. <laughs> that's wrong. Uh, I'm wrong, but no, that's, uh, uh, that's Slim Thug saying that. Yeah. <laughs> The Slim Thug, thug. the original boss. Um, that the beat is he did where he was wearing a dress? What? What? Fucking hey, never mind. Oh, <laughs> Young Thug, Slim Thug. I didn't hear what you were saying, sorry. Uh, uh, we are so <laughs> off face here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we had a lot of good jokes at the start here. Anyways, uh, he's, he's spamming us again. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, this had a 50% on the tomato meter and a 50% from the audience. Perfect agreement. Wow, 50-50 split, huh? Goddamn. And so we're going to tweet out a picture of uh, just, you know, two people shaking hands, and that's the critics and the audience. This is a Switzerland of movies, seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and have we ever had a movie that, like, the audience and critics were both like, I like it, I don't, and it's the exact same amount of people? No, uh, so, well, I think we have, but never we've had, we've at had just fifty percent. But yeah, not right at fifty percent. That's insane. Uh, this me. is the most centrist movie that we've <laughs> yeah, ever done. That is ever this is existed. a radically centrist movie, uh, which is why we spent a lot of time discussing Pete Buttigieg yeah. and like. Um, so the plot summary for oh, sorry, trivia. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Um, yeah, so uh, this film uh, was not a big success in Japan, uh, opening uh, at the the bottom of the bottom of the top ten, mm-hmm. um, and uh, was similarly uh, a flop in China. Um, so uh, basically, they were uh, apparently trying to replicate the other two 
properties that came out this year. Dragon Ball Evolution and Speed Racer. Which, Dragon Ball uh, Evolution, very also, well known. That wait, that's the live that's action. That's the live one. action. Yeah, one, yeah. Ve- very well um, known to be a very good film. Well, uh, yeah, the, I agree. One so, thing you want to emulate. Uh, the the difference is for those two movies. Surprisingly, for Dragon Ball Evolution, Speed Racer is a great movie. Dragon mm-hmm. Ball Evolution, uh, I haven't it's, seen it's, it. Oh, really good, <laughs> but um, it's really really good. I actually uh, haven't seen Speed Racer, and I feel like I should. It is. I, I it is surprisingly good. It's done the by the Wachowskis. Nice. So, the, uh, oh shit! Really? Okay. It's it's fucking. I'm down for that. I watched it for the first time earlier this year, uh, and my girlfriend got home, and I watched it again. Honestly, <laughs> uh, I, Dragon Ball Evolution is probably the best Dragon Ball thing ever. I think it's uh, really good. But what I was going to say was uh, (laughs) Dragon Ball Evolution uh, and Speed Racer also flopped in Japan, but went on to be hugely successful in China. So when it flopped in when Astro Boy flopped in Japan, they were hoping that maybe uh, China would like it. Uh, But then they didn't either. So, (laughs) okay, um, cool, cool. Everybody was upset. Um, And uh, we mentioned in the previous movie that um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. the king was underutilized. <clears throat> Excuse me. Samuel L. Jackson was underutilized in the previous movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this movie, he only speaks 11 words total. Yep. Yes. Uh, which are, I'm old school, not just people, the blue stuff, and no biggie. Uh, <laughs> the, the, he should have said no diggity. He should have. And then back it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. But yeah, uh, Samuel L. Jackson is underutilized in both Cage Fight movies, which once again has a lot of both Cage Fight movies in an episode have a, a lot of similarities. Yeah, you know, um, you wouldn't think. Um, uh, what else do we got here? A man in a red cap and glasses with a big nose appears in almost subliminal cameos throughout the film. This is a frequent self caricature of Osamu Tezuka, who is the uh, author of the the creator of the manga. Yep, uh, I didn't notice that at all. I <sighs> never saw it. Either. I did not either. Um, but uh, for the nerds, uh, there's that. At one point, Brad Bird was interested in directing, uh, who I incorrectly said was the director of Mission Impossible Three. He's the director of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Uh, Is that four? Uh, yes. Was the original four. title of that was Pay the Ghost Protocol, right? Pay the Ghost Protocol. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Maybe it would have been better because he also did uh, Incredibles and Ratatouille, which are like uh, two five uh, star flicks. The Japanese release of the movie uses the original character model of Astro Boy, uh, maintaining the original body form, facial features, and hairstyle rather than the updated character model, uh, which can be noted uh, in a comparison of the U.S. and Japanese trailers for the movie. Hmm. Um, and, uh, the last thing that I have is that as of July 17, 2017, um, they are working on a live action, uh, version of Astro Boy. Um, and I hope Nicolas Cage, uh, actually plays plays Astro Boy. Yes. Oh, yeah. Is that all the trivia? Yeah. I stumbled through that, uh, in beautiful fashion. (laughs) Yeah. Um, very good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, well then, uh, going on to a plot summary here. Uh, so the film opens with a little bit of backstory. Apparently, a hundred years ago, the founders of Metro City took Mount Sophia and floated it up into the sky. Um, and now Metro City is a big floating city that sits above the world, which has now been destroyed and polluted. Yes, heavily. and Metro City isn't fascist at all. No, nope, not in the <laughs> least bit. Yeah, actually, um, <clears throat> Elon Musk had the idea to do this until he saw the movie. 
um, and the result, and that's why he yes. is going to Mars instead. In an extremely yeah. militaristic and imperialist society that essentially is run on a slave economy and uh, the exploitation of a like untermenschian other, mm-hmm. not fascist at all. Yep, not at all fascist. Hey, it's not too bad if you're on the floating rock. <laughs> everything in a metro city is taken care of by robots, basically. Robots do every fucking thing in this world. They cook for you, um, they clean for you, they suck you, they fuck you. Mm-hmm. And I, I described it as it's literally a slave state. The robots yeah. are literally slaves. Yeah, they are <laughs> slaves because they're fully sentient. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, the, they well a, yeah. there is one time, though, where Nicolas Cage's character uh, gives his slave the afternoon off, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's true. That's actually a very honorable and magnanimous thing for him to do. So, yeah. Um, so the creator of the robots, or the father of modern robotics, as they call him, is Dr. Tenma, who is played by Nicolas Cage, and here on out, as always, will be referred to as Cage. Uh, he is not his character. You can call, call him Cage Dad. He's also the father of our main character here, Toby. Well, sort of main character. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Um, Toby is a really smart kid. Uh, and evidently like a science whiz. Kind of a smart ass too, honestly. Yeah, yeah when the movie first ass. started, I'm like, why did they call him Astro Boy? He's kind of a fucking loser. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his father, More Cage. Like boy. Uh, Cage is Asshole apparently ex- extremely busy with work and just ob- often uh, absent from Toby's life. And um, he has to go to a meeting at the Ministry of Science with the president. So Toby is like, I'm going to sneak into that because I want to see what's going on here. And also the president of Metro City is not like literally Hitler. No, the (laughs) president of Metro City is definitely not literally Hitler, uh, as we'll see through his actions in this film. But um, his name is uh, Bear Man. His name is uh, Rudolph Bittler. Yeah, it's not. He's not literally Hitler. He's he's uh he's Himmler. <laughs> no. I mean, he he, to be fair, he's not literally Hitler because he's not he's not literally Hitler, but he, yeah. Yeah. close enough. Uh, so Cage's colleague, who I never caught the name of in this movie, uh, has made a new discovery, and it's called Blue Core Energy. It's a new self-sustaining power source that's more powerful than nuclear energy and is completely green. Uh, evidently, its extraction results in the creation of red core energy, which is extremely dangerous and pure negative energy. They so, should have called it green core. <laughs> so it was completely green, but yeah. whatever. Blue core, positive energy. Red core, negative energy. It's a yin and yang type thing going on. Cage's colleague uh, doesn't want the tech. Oh, his name's Dr. Elephant. Do- oh, yeah, Dr. Elephant. That's it. Because uh, he's got trunk. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's got and he's Junk. fucking packing, dude. Seriously, <laughs> I mean, his nose is packing. Holy like, shit! Yeah, and he's got big pants too. Yeah, he does. Um, <laughs> so Doctor Elephant doesn't want the tech to be used by the military, but Cage says they must because that's where all their funding does. Uh, which is also a very common thing in this world because we're not fascist. No. Um, yeah, not or also the idea of starting a war to win a re-election. Yeah, <laughs> that's not American or fascist. Well, well, I, interchangeable. It's yeah. not none of that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, the president is very insistent on using the red core to power military robots instead of the blue core. He was like, negative, dangerous energy? I like the sound of that. And just, I could use that to kill people and win a re-election. Sticks it into a like super military, power, powerful military robot called the Peacemaker. Um, and I believe it's called the Peacekeeper, actually. Is it? I, believe I thought so, it was yes. the Peacemaker. Uh, I believe it's a peacekeeper, but mm. neither here nor there. It is the okay. peacekeeper. Uh, I regret to inform you. Oh, uh, okay. Well, called the peacekeeper. Um, and they, uh, the robot basically immediately goes rogue and starts blowing shit up. And Toby, who had snuck into the room, 
uh, to see what was going on, got vaporized by the peacekeepers. Yeah, he just gets thing. fucking owned. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing, like, that's why I thought this movie was rated R, because, you know what, even though Kiss of Death was very violent, they didn't kill literal children. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of kind of shocking to see in a kid's movie a kid who literally is killed. And, and, in a horrifying way. <laughs> as I'm just about to talk in the next scene here, he's not actually brought back to life. That kid is just dead. No, he's just literally dead. <laughs> he's he's yeah. super dead. <laughs> literally dead. <laughs> Uh, so Cage is basically That's probably why this movie didn't do so good, honestly. In America, <laughs> like, oh, we're gonna see a kids movie. Oh no, he died! <laughs> and like, like in the first ten minutes of this movie, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> surprising. Uh, but you know what? Fucking hardcore, dude. I thought he it was his... gonna do like some six million dollar man shit and like enhance the body or something, but like, no. Just we see in the next scene, Cage, overwhelmed with guilt at having been the cause of his son's death, creates a robot body with advanced defense systems and just programs it to look like Toby and have all of Toby's memories. Yeah. So the, it, is, it is not in fact Toby at all. Before Toby he does this, he actually um, <laughs> takes the uh, the vaporized uh, ashes of. Uh, of Toby and smears him on his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually Brian Singer had the idea of giving him, making him completely anatomically correct. And, uh, Nick Cage's like dad character was like, dude, that's fucking weird. Why the fuck would I do that? Yeah. And if you look at the blueprints, uh, when he's like building the robot version of his son, um, there are like, uh, accurate holes. Uh, he has, like, yeah. uh, and also he has a giant like dick for some reason. It's, uh, I don't know it's like, uh, it, he's like data. He's a fully functioning robot. Uh, yeah, he. I mean, he is a kid. Star Trek reference, uh, yeah, baby. But if you don't want to see a kids movie where a kid literally dies within the te- first ten minutes, probably don't watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really funny. So it was pretty the funny, the robot then wakes up and believing itself to be the original human Toby, and Cage doesn't tell it otherwise. He just kind of lets it be. So yeah, C three PO almost lets it slip, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, eventually, Cage begins to. Uh, get upset about the whole situation, realizing that this robot, who I'm going to call Robobi, uh, because <laughs> <laughs> it's Robotobi. Um, Rotobi? Yeah, Rotobi, Robobi. Uh, but uh, Boopy. he realizes that Robobi is not really like Toby, and he believes he's made a mistake and wants to deactivate uh, Rotobi. Kind of weird that, uh, like, no one expects to, like, create an abomination and then have it be, like, an abomination. Yeah. So... I really know. a shock for him. That, that's never been a trope in uh, science fiction. Yeah, no, never seen it. Before. Never since like it's not like that's the premise of the original science fiction book. <laughs> like, I mean, or, it's not though. I don't know why you're even mentioning it. Uh, yeah, uh, the original science uh, fiction book, which of course is Darth Plague. <laughs> so uh, oh no, I, I thought you were gonna say Ready Ready Player One. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm sorry. Ready Player One, how could we forget? Yeah, most original book ever written. Uh, (laughs) They invented science fiction and Freddy Krueger in that book. That's true, yeah. Uh, So in the meantime... Robobi is like finding out that he can fly and uh he well, d- does he believe he can fly yeah he believes he can fly does he believe he can touch the sky yeah, yeah. but uh, even he's against R. Kelly so. yeah <laughs> well I, I think him and R. Kelly would not get along very well if you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah because uh he would short circuit <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he then returns home after realizing he can fly uh, and is told by Cage like yo you're a robot and I don't want you anymore and then Robobi's like, oh. He's like, he I don't away. want you anymore. You're not my real son. God. Mm-hmm. Robots are gay. Yeah. <laughs> fucking gay. Um, yeah, You want to be my son, you fucking faggot? Like, that's what he said. 
<laughs> too bad we can't include that. Uh, too bad what? I said too bad we can't include that. <laughs> That's literally what happened. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, uh, since uh, Rotobi flies away, the president finds Rotobi finding him like on some scanners because they can sense the blue core that is powering him. I forgot to mention that Ro- uh, Robobi is powered by the the blue core yeah. that blue we cores matter for, and it is the only one in existence. The as as blue core Pentium ion processor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they attack him, and uh, Robobi is knocked unconscious. But before they can catch him, he falls out of Metro City and all the way down to the surface. No. No. So, uh, Robobi wakes up in a scrap heap. <laughs> I'm keeping at this, even though it's really awkward to say. <laughs> just keep it's going. great. I mean, uh, and, just keep going. You're uh, already like halfway through the movie. Keep yeah. going. He wakes up in a robot scrap heap and is captured by some kids who are out like uh, grabbing robots for parts and to like get them fixed up. And they think he's a human kid. They don't seem to like the fact that he's from Metro City, but they warm up when they hear he's been kicked out. The kids' names are Zane, Sludge, Widget, and Korra. And really, you don't have to remember any of those except Korra. Um, it's really she, the legend of Korra. Yeah. 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 She is the Avatar after Aang. They don't really talk long, though, before uh, Robobi is rescued by the Robot Revolutionary yes, Front. By British Robot Communists. Yeah, by British Robot yeah. Communists. And it's not so, they literally have posters of Stalin, Trotsky, and Lenin. Yes, they do. <laughs> and and they say that they are dedicated to freeing robots from uh, slavery by humans by any means necessary. And here's and, the thing, though. I, I do um, like that the fact they... So they include fascism and communism in a kid's movie. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, to be fair, this is, a, you said Chinese production, right? Imagi. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, that would make sense. They'd include, like, communist imagery in it. Mm-hmm. But I also do think it's funny in that scene. Uh, they, The communists, remember, basically are like, yeah, we're going to do propaganda the deed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, Mr. Ham, to, to Dr. Hamegg. Yeah. Who's a character we'll talk about later on. But they're literally like, yeah, we're going to go up to him, and then we're going to tickle him, and it'll make the robots rise up. And, like, they, so first off, they put communism, fascism, and propaganda the deed in a kid's movie, and you're wondering why this movie didn't do very well in the box <laughs> office. <laughs> And also dead kids. Don't forget, like, a vaporized dead kid. Mm-hmm. The the best part yeah. is the dead kid. And also Nick Cage dropping an F-bomb because, like, I don't want you as my son. What the fuck? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Nobody wants you. Yeah. Um, Get out of here. Uh, the robot revolutionary front is not very effective because robots have to follow the laws of robotics, which are the exact same as the Isaac Asimov ones. They they can't. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean, to be fair, they, they can't be any less effectual than Robert's rules. Yeah, true. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Ruining meetings since uh, 1888 or whenever the fuck they were invented. And uh, um, the the three uh, laws of robotics, uh, as stated by uh, Isaac Asimov, are of course uh, do a little dance, uh, make a little love, and get, <laughs> get down, down tonight. tonight. Yep. Uh, but uh, no, it's uh, a robot cannot harm a human or through an action cause harm to come to a human. Uh, and then all the other ones. But. Uh, they warn him about Ham Egg, who they say is a man who enslaves and does terrible things to robots. And but they're not entirely sure what that means. Yeah, they aren't entirely sure. So uh, they also name him Astro, and Robobi takes a liking to that. So Which now kinda, he's going to be Astro, not Robobi. It's kind of cool, and you know, not, Astrobi. And, and I won't spoil it too much, but the robot communists are right, and they also give the main character his name. So they're like the most consequential side characters in the entire fucking movie. It's true. <laughs> um, 
Despite being ineffectual in their means, they are uh, very consequential to the plot overall. Just like real communists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the kids break in and take him back. Uh, they still don't know he's a robot, but yeah. Then we see uh, the president threatening Cage until Cage relents into saying that he will deactivate Astro and give them back the blue core if they capture Astro and bring it back to him. So. Yeah, and, and his, his uh, dad's like, oh, dude, I mean, yeah, you can just like take it. That's cool, whatever. I'm yeah. That shit, whatever. Fuck it. So then uh, Astro goes with the kids to meet Hamag, who repairs old robots, as he says, because he loves robots. He loves them. They're great. Um, and I believe they have a dinner where they serve green eggs, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to green eggs and Hamag. Hey. I will not fix you, Robo-B-I-Adobe. robo adobe Um. Anyways, uh, Hamag cares for all the other kids there who uh, found uh, Astro and who are all orphans, essentially. Astro is immediately accepted as a member of the family. Yeah, they have a like a, a whole initiation thing uh, where they like um, make him cut off part of his finger. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's a made man now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll talk about Japanese influence, though. That was a Yakuza influence. Yeah, that's- uh, so Astro goes out looking for scrap with the other orphans and they find an old construction robot, which is huge. And uh, Astro goes into the robot, sees it's named like Zog and uses his blue core to reactivate it. <laughs> so Zog is played by Samuel L. Jackson. But uh, so they, they clean up Zog in a montage to the Supergrass song. All right. Which is kind of cool to see in there. I like that song. Um, yeah, I was fucking uh, basically uh, slapping my knee and tapping my foot. Whole time. Mm hmm. Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then late at night, Astro finds Cora apparently calling, trying to call home to her parents in Metro City. And evidently, she's not really an orphan. She just ran away from home and she still kind of misses her parents and wants to talk to them. And, and you can tell she's the love interest because she got a red, she got like multicolored streaks in her hair. Yeah, she's yeah. got another color streak in her hair. She, she's she's the only girl and um, she's appropriated orphan culture. Mm-hmm. Um, a girl like that, four years older, like that is this, that is the look of a girl that every emo front man has made a song about. Yeah, <laughs> true. Astro almost comes clean. Uh, to her about being a robot, but basically only manages to say that he feels like an outsider and he feels out of place. But I'm a creep. I don't belong here. (laughs) I'm a robot. The hell is he doing here? Uh, So, the next day they enter Zog into the robot games, which uh, Astro at that point finds out is basically gladiatorial combat. He's like, Hamag, what the fuck? I thought you said you love robots and you make them fight to the death. And Hamag is like, well, yeah, I do love them. But at the end of the day, they're just cold, unthinking machines here to serve us, which is why I'm cool doing this and just zaps and immobilizes Hamag. I love how everyone in this movie is just basically racist towards robots. Mm -hmm. Really fucking racist to him. And not to be. They're kind of creepy. That's true. Yeah. And uh, he immobilizes Astro, like having discovered that he's a robot. Astro then wakes up in the arena and he's going to be forced to fight by Hamag. Um. He initially refuses to fight the robots, but uh, pretty quickly starts fighting them all when they're, you know, trying to kill him. And he easily defeats all of them until Zog is put in the arena. And then he says, no, this is where I draw the line. I will not fight Zog. And then Zog is like, looks like he's about to crush him, but then just like gives him a handshake. And him and Zog, they're buds, you know, because Astro gave Zog life. 
so Hamegg starts like zapping them both to get them to fight, and then Zog is about to kill Hamegg. Uh, where he's like, you can't do that. It's the laws of robotics prevent you. Like, or, and he says, like, the laws of robotics established over 50 years ago prevent you from doing that. And he's like, I'm old school, baby. Um, to be fair, Zog is at least 100 years old. Mm-hmm, he is. So he is very old school. And then uh, Astro steps in and stops, and he's like, Zog, don't kill him. We're not going to kill anybody. But uh, pretty much immediately after that, the president's men show up and capture Astro and haul him away. Astro is taken to Cage and Dr. Elephant to remove the core, but Cage has a change of heart at the last second, saying that, you know, you might not be Toby, Astro, but you're still my son. And he releases Astro, uh, and Astro, like, blasts out into the sky. And uh, the president that uh, orders Cage to be killed for treason, and uh, he puts the red core into the Peacekeeper robot, evidently not fucking remembering what just happened last time that happened. Um, I've forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> well, it kind of reminds me of the Ed 209 from RoboCop, right? Or just, oh, like, yeah. just totally shoots the fuck out of everyone. It's like, oh, yeah, let's keep this machine around. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And so he sends the Peacekeeper robot to kill Astro, but it immediately goes rogue and absorbs him somehow. I don't really understand that. Like sucks him in and then starts sucking in all sorts of gadgetry and gear around it until it's just growing and growing until it's fucking giant. And evidently this robot believes it is the president or he's inside of it controlling it or something because it is talking just like him. Well, I think he's on the inside. And everyone's trying to look in. Yeah. <laughs> and we can see through them. Yeah. But inside, yeah, they're, all, true colors. they're all ugly. Yeah. They're ugly. ugly like I mean, kind of like me. So then uh, Astro and Robopress fight, and the orphans steal Hamag's hover car and fly to Metro City. Uh, in the middle of the fight, like, the orphans rescue Astro, but Robopress then kind of destroys the city's power grid, so, and you know, the city I, I starts to drop from the air. Yeah. If the orphan kids could just drive up to Metro City, why doesn't everyone just do that? Uh, probably fascist government, hard borders. They don't like immigrants. Uh, that's my thing. I guess, but like, <laughs> borders are still enforced even during a national crisis, which is what happens right now. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. I don't know. That that was my thought. Like, they don't go back up there because of the, the like, super fascist government probably doesn't want them there. I mean, he was literally talking about starting a war with the people on the surface to yes, get approval true. ratings and stuff. So yeah. I, I assume they stake, they stoke some fires of prejudice against the people on the surface. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, like, he, Robopres destroys the city's power grid somehow, uh, and the city starts to just drop from the air. So Astro flies out underneath and kind of gently lowers the whole city to the ground. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got He's the called whole Astro, world. But he should be called Atlas. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, so Cage finds Astro and tells him that like if the blue and red cores combined, both of them will die. And Astro says, well, then that must be why I was created. It's my destiny to sacrifice myself and stop Robopres and just flies directly into the red core, even though Cage is like protesting like, no, I love you, robot that I said I hated. Um, Yeah, told it wasn't my real son. And I already hate robots anyways because I'm a bigot. I Mm. love my gay son. So (laughs) it was kind of like a very LGBT message of this movie. You think about it. But uh, Robopres then explodes into a giant ball of red and blue energy, and the president emerges from the re- uh, wreckage uh, and is immediately arrested by his own army because uh, it's time for a fascist coup, and they'll install a new dictator probably. Well, remember the, the, there was actually a throwaway line, but the original president was uh, that was going to win was supposed to be a giant hippie. Oh, yeah. So 
I mean, in in comparison to what that society is, it would have just been somebody like Joe Biden. Yeah, probably. Well, this big, like, blue, like fucking blue-haired, long-haired hippie. <laughs> it's like, listen, uh, I, I like the privatized businesses. Let's have two more black people involved in those businesses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, so... Listen here, Jack. The orphans find Astro's body lying on the ground. He's dead because the blue power core is, like, empty. But And everyone is mourning, but then Zog shows up and uh, uses some of his blue energy to repower Astro's core and bring him back to life. And uh, everyone is happy, and then immediately an alien attacks. It's kind of random, but it's just like uh, Astro flies to save the city, saying, like, it's my destiny. Well, he, he's found they, he, uh, a giant personification of hentai comes. Yes, <laughs> it's a giant everyone. tentacle monster with a yes. big eye. And I'm, I'm not joking. Or that, that is, That's this, literally what it is. It's <laughs> just jizzing everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like penetrating women against their consent. Yeah. It's got like a million tentacles. That's that's really the message of this movie. Yes. <laughs> and then the, 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 the movie ends on a cliffhanger of hentai. Yeah, it does. And uh, maybe we'll see that in the sequel. But, uh, yeah, Astro Boy 2. You know, it's been 11 years after that, the live action one comes out. We'll do another anime. I don't know. I, I think I think Kristen Bell might be doing other things right now than being an Astro Boy 2. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so. Uh, that's the whole plot. Overall thoughts, everybody. I liked this movie more than I thought, and I liked the fact this movie actually had like real world ideologies behind it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the political like commentary was actually a lot smarter than what a kids movie like this would would normally have. Yeah, definitely. Because they actually had like concrete like real world ideologies. Like I said, I mean, Metro City's fascist. They have communist robots who don't do anything and just talk about how revolutionary they are while just doing nothing. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's of course extremely realistic. Um, and then yeah. And then as well, like I said, just the slave society and the sort of like third world poverty people and the people in the, the first world metro city are like, yeah, we could just boss around these people and kill them just for the sake of it and to make ourselves look better. So, yeah, I mean, this movie, like I said, is probably the most ideology of any movie we've ever seen on the show. That's not just outright fascist. Yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> certainly got the most uh, non right wing ideology that we've seen in a movie thus far. Yeah, this, like I Nick Cage like, is literally but... just in movies that are just Mein Kampf, but just in <laughs> rewording. But this movie's like, oh. Okay, well, this movie's a nuanced, like, political take of a kid's movie. Yeah, I was I was really impressed by this movie and even more surprised after watching it that I haven't heard anything about this movie yeah. at all. Yeah, I, I was frankly really surprised that I haven't heard anything about this, given not only how big of a budget it had, but, like, that this is a pretty fucking good, solid movie. Yeah, it's a solid movie. I like, I like honestly, this. I think 50% is kind of a shame. I think it should have gotten a little bit more. Yeah, and uh, I, I like this a lot more than I was expecting to. I Me too. Say. The animation at times is sometimes a little clunky. I mean, it's not Pixar quality, and I guess I, I rate 3D animation in relation to Pixar, which is just, like, not fair. Uh, yeah. but, well, uh, the animation is a little spot, spotty um, at some points, I will say. The, the biggest gripe in the reviews is that the direction of his hair keeps uh, changing. Oh, yeah. That's a very important uh, distinction. Is not true uh, to the original, which uh, is always in one direction. Mm. With uh, Harry Styles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I was going to say, like, sometimes the parts where it's noticeable is with, like, perspective shots when there's stuff in the foreground. It it looks a little awkward, but uh, I don't think uh, I, I, it's it's good enough and like it's certainly yeah. great for uh i think the time there too even but um, i think for the budget the animation could have been a little bit better though because yeah. budget 65 million i mean i know they gave 29 million of that to nick cage probably um, <laughs> but they still could have did a little bit better. yeah it's no flushed away or robots or <laughs> chicken run but yeah uh, pretty good mm-hmm. yeah 
there is like a little on the nose with like the theme like literally they keep saying astro keeps saying like i don't know what my place is and then at the end he's like i've found my destiny and everyone's like yes you found your destiny that is a little on the nose for me but it is a kid's movie so yeah he actually also says uh in the extended version i have reached my end goal um and completed the story arc that i have been following over the process of this movie the hero's journey (laughs) and this is the close of act three (laughs) (laughs) but um I'd also say it has some good moments of humor that I think are funny. There are like little jokes that go by that I think are pretty good. And honestly, the robot communists are still like one of the funniest parts of any Nick Cage movie we've watched. Oh, yeah. I loved those robots (laughs) coming. The Robot Revolutionary Front, which I don't know if we said their their full name there. Uh, Another thing that I thought was funny was er early on when Toby was learning from some books, he was reading a book on Rene Descartes that was titled Descartes Before the Horse. (laughs) Nice little I I never noticed that. That's actually really funny. Mm Mm-hmm. If the animation was a little better, I could have read that. But <laughs> yeah, and I I did download this movie from a a pirate. I, I mean, I downloaded this from Amazon, so of course I had the best stream. I still couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. I actually um I did one of those like humble bundle things where I uh I I got it off Bandcamp and I I I paid more money than I thought I should have to see this movie. You want, you want every individual scene for like two dollars? <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I pledged seventy five dollars to watch Astro Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, good movie. Uh, Dave, you got a plot summary? What? Uh, it's kind of what I expected here. He's never going to speak on this podcast again. <laughs> and I don't blame him at all. I mean, he, if he doesn't have to, why not? I think he said no. I got this idea. And like, <laughs> what it is, is that we like go around the world. Dave time. You, and we just like. Hack now. Yabba dabba yabba dabba yabba dabba yabba hack now. It's a very musical podcast and I appreciate that. Yep. Uh, uh, good review, Dave. Yeah, good good, good, uh, good synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good synop, sis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, are we, do we have any reviews? That was sis with a C, too. <laughs> no. <laughs> you sis bastard. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I do have some reviews. Um, uh, a lot of a lot of disgruntled parents, obviously, because of the dead kid thing. And like I said, a lot of people commenting on his hair changing from scene to scene. There was one I didn't person, even notice that. I didn't either. But there was one person that was like, I used to draw Astro Boy all the time as a kid. So I know what direction his hair is supposed to go. Uh, and I was like, who gives a fuck? I, I don't know. Um, so – uh, my first review comes from Allison, uh, who writes, good movie, not too scary. Uh, my <laughs> okay, it is pretty scary. I mean, a fascist uh, dictatorship is a scary thing. We'll no, seriously. That. Yeah, Metro City is fucking, frankly, terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, she was not scared by that at all. No. Uh, uh, and uh, Allison says, my six-year-old son loved this movie. I was hesitant to show him the movie due to the comments about the way the child dies, but it didn't upset him very much. <laughs> uh, it's probably because he wasn't a uh, character wasn't developed at all before he died yeah or your kid's broken i don't know uh i cried no, i'm just kidding uh dr tenema tried to you open can admit this this pocket we can talk uh about i will okay i will I, i'm not afraid to cry and to prove that i want to admit uh something that i shouldn't admit on air mm-hmm. um i watched the jamie lee curtis Lindsay lohan movie freaky friday the other day and it did make me cry <laughs> uh, <laughs> impressive <laughs> Uh, Dr. Tenma tried to open the 
uh, door, but was unable to do so. One of the comments made it seem like he allowed the boy to die, but that wasn't the case. My son understands death is a part of life. So he was overall okay when it happened. I was put off by the way Dr. Tenma rejects Astro Boy because he's not an exact replica of his son, but he realizes his mistake later on. It's a good movie and not too disturbing for young kids. My son is in an adventure stage with regard to movies, so it was a blast for him. And, you know, to be fair, it's not particularly surprising that Dr. Tenma doesn't really, like, uh, latch onto his son, his robot son, for not being completely him. Because he is, like, a violent fascist authoritarian. It's yeah, true. It's yeah. weird because so, like, the idea he has of, a bit of a change of heart at the end. But. Yeah, so, like, the idea of someone like that being like, you're not completely what I want, be gone with you, is totally, like, in line with a character like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, and it's it's weird that he even bothered to rebuild the sun uh, since he pretty obviously didn't want him in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I have a review from Christy K uh, who writes a cute movie. My nine year old daughter and I loved it. Um, this was a very cute movie. I am sure there was a political type message, but I saw this as just a cute movie. He sure does resembles the old big boy. <laughs> uh I don't know what that means. The, oh, the, wait, oh my god, boy. the hamburger. Yeah. Yeah. So dude. wait a second, wait a second. Said so I think there's a what was it? You said it. I am sure there was a political type message, but I saw this as just a cute movie. I'm sure the message is pretty fucking blatant. They literally yeah. have Stalin, Trotsky, and Lenin posters at one point. Yeah, uh, but on the other uh, hand, it's just cute. That's true. I mean, the only I mean, politics is only like purple-haired lesbians in video games. Oh yeah, it's the only politics that exists. Yeah, it's not uh, like every movie it has a politics to it, and if you don't see the politics to it, it just means that you in, accept the politics so inherently that you don't see them as political. That's not a thing. I mean, to be fair, the, the only the only political act ever in a movie was they when they made Zendaya Mary Jane in the that Spider Man movie. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, this next review actually um, set off uh, Brian Singer's uh, Google alert. Uh, Carol <laughs> Andrews writes, uh, "Touching kid movie." <laughs> Uh, oh god alright and Carol Andrews writes really good moral of story wait 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 you said touching kids Story. T- touching kid movie. <laughs> okay, so that was that. That was, the, that was the only part of the review, right? Uh, well, that was the title, and the oh. o- the the body of the review is really good moral of story. <laughs> <laughs> touching uh, kid movie. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. that actually might be my favorite review so far. <laughs> Uh, I have one from uh, <laughs> with a really good moral of story to touching kid movie. <laughs> I have a review oh from God. Rand Whitney uh, who says, okay, kids movie. Parents <laughs> will probably not see much for them in it. Why do they require so many words? I was always told if I had nothing to say, then don't say it. Uh, <laughs> which refers to the character limit what? on the uh, review, which I I don't know how there's a character <laughs> review uh, limit for reviews because uh, some of them just say, okay. Yeah. Um, but also, again, you don't have to write a review. <laughs> you don't have to fucking write a review if you don't want to. Like, so, and Rand uh, wrote that to, to rate it three out of five stars. <laughs> okay. I got a review from Jay Shum who says, uh, too much modern like the Star Wars character. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, and Jay Shum writes... Okay, low star, because I compare the old origin Astro Boy, which has more action than emotion, 
Sometimes too many characters can distract the main theme of these type of movie, the kiss rule. Uh, and that's Is that it. keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Oh, okay. yes, 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 yes. Uh, which, uh, uh, judging by the coherence of the rest of the review, I'm surprised. Plus, well, because of the coherence <laughs> of some of these film reviews, they don't mind kissing and kill in kids' movies. Uh, uh, and that was two stars. Um, <laughs> I got a another two star from Stephanie, um, who writes: This movie is disturbing. There are very mature situations that need of a lot explaining, a lot of explaining for the rating level. Uh, so basically, this movie probably should be rated R, but is not. Um, According to Stephanie. I got, I got a review from an uh, Amazon customer who says, meh, the science is weak and the hairstyles leave much to be desired. Because that's what you look for in a fucking like kids animated movie is like hard science. And <laughs> hairstyles. If not for the science, at least give me a good hairstyle to look at. Look, if I'm going to be honest here, I like science and I like hairstyles. So you know like, what? That's well, why actually, I love Jimmy like Neutron so much because it's all about science and hairstyles. And the only song that person listens to is Weird Science by Ongo Boingo. <laughs> Um, I have a review from uh, Richard Coleman who says, <laughs> uh, don't order from this sender. Uh, I got sent this DVD for my DTR and she was so excited when it came. What is DTR? Uh, I think his daughter? Uh, I think so. Or um, like... Uh, down to... Dater? Diddling... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Down hey, listen, to re- I, I was was I'm down Astro to retard. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's retard. Pirate Roberts. Um, <laughs> uh, it's DTR. Uh, I then, know, I said tyrant. Oh. <laughs> tyrant. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I tried to clean it up. Uh, so I got I like sent it. this DVD for my daughter, and she was so excited when it came. Then we tried to play it, and it said invalid region and will not play on any of our DVD players. She was crushed. Uh, and maybe literally, if she's anything like uh, Toby. Uh, <laughs> I, I tried to contact the sender and Amazon weeks ago, and I've gotten no response. Don't order from this sender. Uh, and it doesn't say who the sender was. Um, so Yeah, uh, that happens and, on all <laughs> fucking Amazon reviews when they complain about the seller. And, and, and they don't a, say who it is. I'm just curious. Um, that was a five-star review, right? Uh, that was a one-star, unfortunately. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It's also like... Most of the time, when when a DVD is for a different region, they straight up like say that. Yeah, you like, just have to know that that is a thing. Yeah, yeah. this person doesn't. At least on region two, it'll always say like region two, and then it'll have the fifteen or like whatever the yeah. age range is on the side. It's like yeah. very obviously not an American DVD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or North American DVD. This person, or you can do uh, what I do and get a region free uh, player. And then you buy DVDs from Canada, and they're all in French and English. So yeah, or yeah, you dude. buy fucking 3D Blu-rays from Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're all in English and <laughs> French still. Yeah. Only. But they're 3D, which is hard to find sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a review from uh, Missy, who says, Line about saying grace in the movie was extremely disrespectful. Oh, my God. When did that even happen? What? So they're, the kids are sitting down with ham egg to eat, oh, and then they're like, right. are we forgetting something? And he says... Uh, Grace, and he's like, "You're right, Grace. Turn on the TV." And then a girl. Oh, named okay, Grace okay. So that's, that's what this review is about. So let, let's. Get I thought ready that for was this. funny, actually. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Some people would say that uh, at worst is completely innocuous, uh, but some would say uh, disrespectful. <laughs> uh, and so Missy says, 
line about Grace was extremely disrespectful. That could have been left out of the movie altogether. When sitting down at the table to eat and it was asked if they were missing something or forgetting something and one boy said Grace, as in they needed to say Grace and thank the Lord for their food... <laughs> And then the man yells at a girl named Grace. It was very rude and disrespectful. So I didn't need to explain it because she did it all right there. Um, <laughs> but I mean, after her description, I understand why it's disrespectful. Oh, yeah. Um, that makes a lot more sense. Gotta, yeah. Respect the Lord. Um, I have too many reviews for this. Uh, I have one from <laughs> Lori Livingston who says, not cool. Too much <laughs> violence for my two girls. They cried nearly the whole time. What kind of dad kicks his own sons out of his life, even if he is a robot, and even if it is just a movie? Not cool. Um, I yes, don't understand a, a violent, people... fascist, authoritarian dad would do that yeah. to his son who's not completely one hundred percent in line yeah. with what he believe, like yeah. what his values are. I, I don't understand why some people have like an option or it, an, an issue with like the moral actions of a character who's clearly supposed to be. Coded as being in the wrong, you know what yeah, I mean? I don't understand bad. that. What the I don't understand that sometimes. I mean, like, if someone is coded as being right for having kicked out their son, like, if the movie is saying that he made the right decision there, then I understand being upset. Yeah, but, but uh, well, the, movie, the movie's not framing that as a good thing. He continues mm, to true. actually be a freaking badass after uh, abandoning his son. Uh, yeah. So. yeah, he continues to be a cool guy. Yeah, How he's a fuck are you going to qualify your statement by saying, I don't care if he's a robot? Like, really? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah like, well, I, I care for my robot son. <laughs> too much violence for my two robot girls. Yeah. Uh, I have a review from... I care about my teenage robot, okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a review from Simon. Uh, it's titled, A Subliminal Brainwashing. Uh, okay. Um, aside from the movie itself, I would like to draw your attention to the subliminal brainwashing in this movie. Uh. For years, unless you have no perception, the limousine communists in Hollywood <laughs> have made movies advocating <laughs> communist totalitarianism, e.g. The Motorcycle Diaries, Che, Reds, The Front. <laughs> in their attempt at brainwashing, they have also gone for the kids. In this particular movie, you have a couple lovable robots who are adorable Marxists. <laughs> and now you can imagine what the liberals' reaction would have been if the uh, the couple of lovable robots would have been adorable Nazis. And then the liberals wonder why nobody can stand them. To be fair, there were plenty of adorable Nazis in this movie, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's it. Uh, well, I, oh, that's it for that review. I have one last review. Oh God, I'm excited. Uh, from Harkin, mm, okay. um, who says, what a terrible movie. <laughs> okay. Astro Boy is a contrived, incongruous, muddled pile of steaming dreck. I'd add <laughs> Sanctimonious too, but before you can have Sanctimony, the movie would need a coherent message. Mr. David Bowers, you not only owe me 90 minutes of my life spent watching this vapid drivel, but the countless hours I will no doubt have to spend unsticking the residue of your movie from my child's worldview. It isn't just the moral confusion of this film, but the overall shallowness therein. I read now that there is an adaptation from a Japanese manga series... That makes sense because this movie acted like it was trying to pack a novel into a 90-minute montage. At the end of the film, the writers expected you to care about the characters who have had all of three lines and pretty much no development. Perhaps intriguing messages are given the barest, often contradictory treatment. 
Somewhere buried in the cardboard performances of Nick Cage, Donald Sutherland, and even Samuel Jackson, who plays a bit part, I'm sure there was an attempt at a message. Perhaps it is be good to the environment because the movie – this is a really boring review. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, no, I'm just like oh, seething with anger at this person. <laughs> uh, be, be good to the environment because the movie starts off explaining to us that the world was long abused by humans – some of whom escape to a utopian floating city where they live a life of paradise on the backs of robots. But then, we never follow up from that initial message. Indeed, later as the movie progresses, we see that the surface is full of rolling green fields and bright sunny days. So maybe the message is, treat everyone equally. We see that the robots of this world are mistreated and discarded like so much trash. And yet, I can't see uh, how the writers expected us to feel sorry for the robots since 90% of the comic relief comes from slapstick robot-gets-smashed routines. So we go through scene after scene, laughing at the wanton dismemberment of hilarious robot victims, only to be told that the mistreatment is horrible, followed by another dozen scenes of hilarious robot explosions. Maybe it's that communism wasn't such a bad thing after all. The Robot Revolutionary Front is a lighthearted trio of robotic misfits that repeatedly call our attention to the plight of robots. Their headquarters is filled with posters lauding Trotsky and Lenin, and they courageously attempt to help the hero at every turn. Of course, the message seems to be these guys are benign incompetence, as every such attempt ends unsuccessfully, which, if their intention is an outright atrocious misrepresentation of communism, you know, the system of government that killed 100 million plus people uh, I knew over that the was last coming. 100 coming, that was coming. Uh, I knew it. On the part of the writers. Indeed, part of me wonders if this movie is just an attempt to say that humans are worthless blights on the face of creation. I don't think it was an active decision of David Bowers uh, to give this message. Rather, I think he was, uh, he just let his own personal self-loathing seep into the film at every point so there you go a movie with substandard acting shallow and cliche characters contrived plot and a message as incoherent as it is self-loathing how could anyone give this more than two stars i give it one because it didn't look horrible so that review was longer than the movie itself. Yeah, that <laughs> review was longer than the fucking movie. It's full of a bunch of, I don't know. Like, I, I half of that went in one ear and went right out the other because it was kind of yes. what I was expecting to hear. And, but, and also, uh, like... Can I just say that he starts off by saying that he's going to have to spend, like, an immeasurable amount of time trying to scrub this out of his child's brain, but then goes on to clarify that he has no idea what the fucking movie was actually about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's talking about how it's meant to brainwash his child, but also has no coherent message in his dumb. I don't know. I if, if This just strikes me as a person who got kind of offended at it. And, and, and also, uh, like, objectively, the communist robots are, like, right. Oh, yeah. They're completely right. <laughs> I mean, people, well, like, destroy like, robots I and destroy them. I have to scrub this out of my kid's brain. It's about how we should treat the environment good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really is like that. Uh, and also, by the way, calling environmentalism nihilistic, which is like, yeah. dude, what? I, I don't fucking understand. Uh, I, how, how, how can you be nihilistic while caring about, like, the future? But, uh, yeah, okay. this, honestly, that review was, yeah. Like, that person lives in a different mind palace than we do. Yeah, he spent so much time on his like ridiculous thesaurus thing that he's. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, that was the thing I was going to say. Like right off the bat, it's like this guy just liked to page through his thesaurus. That's <laughs> like the, the first most insufferable review since the racist World Trade Center review. Yeah, this, this guy is a true blue intellectual, and so I just wanted oh. to include his uh, opinion, even though it made me a little bit lightheaded to uh, read it. <laughs>
<sighs> and that's all I have. Um, the uh, I got way too many reviews for that, but you know what? No, it's all good. Uh, it's all good. Uh, it's the best movie uh, ever made. I fully agree. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, do you have anything to add? No, I think that's all I got for this right now. So I guess should we vote uh, or make this longer? Uh, I think we should vote. Uh, I think we could stretch it out for a good another Is anybody forty-five still minutes. Yeah, 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 at this point, I think. Uh, uh, even I would have tapped out during that. <laughs> uh, so, Dave, do you want to give us a countdown? What? Count, uh, count, count, count down. Uh, okay, we're not playing this song, countdown. song and dance anymore. I know that there's no level I can push you to, so I'm just going to this. Um, uh, uh, three, two, two, two one. one. Kiss of death. Why not? (laughs) Wait, wait. So you said kiss of death. Yeah. I said kiss of death. I said she said Astro Boy. Yeah. Two out of three. Okay. Now to be fair, I will say, and I still choose kiss of death. But if it had been either of these movies, I'd be fine with that. I was literally just going to say I'm not really upset. I feel like uh, both of these movies were good. Wasn't sure which one I was going to pick going into it because these were both uh, uh, pretty much equal tier for me. Yeah. These are both very enjoyable films. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm not too upset that uh, Astro Boy got beaten out. I did prefer it a little bit, but uh, I mean, and, and and I will say that even though Astro Boy is definitely a more enjoyable film in certain aspects, but Kiss of Death is just such a quintessential cage fight. I, and I do kind of yeah. have to give it to you for that. Uh, like <laughs> and Nicholas also- Cage in that movie, he's a great character, and it's good to have him further around in the bracket. I just yeah. spoke from personal taste. <laughs> And totally fine. I, totally I'm sure uh, Astro Boy had like a political type message, but I just thought it was cute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Kiss of Death had a political type message too. Uh, that yeah. Liberals are bad. Uh, <laughs> liberals are bad, and uh, David Caruso should go back to TV. Yes. Yeah. Maybe uh, Michael Rappaport wrote one of that, that review. Yeah, he probably did. To be he might have. Uh, uh, that, that's got rap written all over it. Uh, Kiss of Death uh, prevails and will go on. And join us next episode when. Oh, yeah. When we will be discussing the movies Moonstruck and, and returning champion G-Force, um, yeah. boop, 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 boop. which I just add a bunch of sirens in there. Yeah, uh, I believe you will remember if you have heard that episode as having been rather contentious between uh, <laughs> Zach and Mike, who voted that movie forward, and I, who did not want that movie to pass on. And by contentious, and, you mean it's great content. <laughs> That's what that means. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope y'all enjoyed and tune in next time to hear G-Force and Moonstruck. I lost my hand. I lost my pride. Johnny is his hand. Johnny, Johnny is his pride. <laughs> uh, Son, if I you're know listening that to this, go to bed. <laughs> Bye-bye.